Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 19 of Dreadful Talk. Um, really excited about this one. I, um, I, my guest for this week is Jay Finley, um, MMA fighter and former Marine. And I'm really looking forward to getting into it with him. And uh, but, but before we go any further, you know, this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Zach Brown. Zach Brown can help you with life insurance, property insurance, and real estate. Man of many talents, a good man to know. Um, you can reach him at 405-255-7867, 405-255-7867. Um, Zach mainly focuses, you know, in the Oklahoma and Texas region, but, you know, if you live outside of that state, um, I'm sure he'd be able to help, help you out or find somebody that could. So, yeah, feel free to reach out at, to Zach Brown about your life insurance, property insurance, and real estate needs. You can reach him at 405 255 7867. Now that the house clean is out of the way, let's go ahead and get our guest on here. What up, what up, what up? What up, buddy? How are you, man? I'm doing good, brother. Um, you think we can get that phone turned sideways? Oh, oh yeah. yeah there we go. There we go. Awesome, man. You you at a freaking office? What are you doing? No, I'm at the gym. Oh, okay. Wait, man. Oh, hell yeah, man. I really appreciate you. Um, actually, dude, is there anywhere quieter you can go at all? It's like. Can you hear? Is it super loud? Yeah, hold on. But yeah, everybody, this is my guest this week, Jay Finley. Known this guy a long time, and I just support what he's doing, and he supports what I'm doing. And we decided to get together and make this collab happen. Oh, that, that's better. That's better. Yeah, yeah, that's much better. Thanks so much, man. For sure, for sure. Awesome, brother, man. Um, but yeah, thanks for thanks so much for um, you know lending me a little bit of your time, and. Uh, I really appreciate you, man. Yeah, always, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we were supposed to do this about a fight coming up. I wish that was still happening, but, uh, you know, another one. There'll be another one soon. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. We can we can still, you know, get, get your name out there and get everybody ready for that next bout. You know it's coming. Um, and, yeah, this isn't even a question I had written down, but, you know, it's kind of a natural segue. Um what it seems to me just I've known a couple of you know local fighters and it seems to me that like on the smaller circuits like finding somebody that's actually down to fight is half the battle or more than half the battle that seems to be a major struggle yeah man uh I've man I've gone through a lot of opponents man uh like way more opponents than I've actually ever fought uh I was supposed to fight when was it? Uh, February of 2019. And uh, I was matched with 13 different people and uh, never oh got a fight. Goodness. I ended up taking a, a, a catchweight exhibition bout against one of my buddies because he had like 10 other guys pull out too. Just to and, get some uh, action. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a day after my dad's funeral, actually. And so, oh, sure. um, so we were just like, well, we, you know, we might as well. We're here. So. Yeah, I weighed in at like, I think he weighed in at like one, 
like 180 something and I weighed in at like 205 after a long night of drinking after my dad's funeral you know so it was wow. fun but but yeah I mean that's how it goes it's it's hard to get fights you no know, everyone wants to be a fighter till it comes down to fighting you know yeah exactly everybody like you know everybody's an Instagram fighter and just till it's time to you know get into the cage man that's that's so wild because you think it would be the opposite you think I mean people would be chomping at the bit to fucking you know put some of the skills on display and kind of move up the ladder and trying to get the show on the road. But I feel you, man, it's hard to find just reliable people in any aspect of life. And I guess that rolls over into fighting as well. Man, it does. Uh, give me one second. I'm going to try to uh, find another charger here. My charger is not working, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's actually kind of sad. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes the fight business gets a little shady um, which, you know, everyone's got a team and a good team is important, but the end, at the end of the day, fighting is kind of a selfish sport. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's an individual sport. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's you getting locked in a cage with some, some dude that wants to hurt you, you know, and yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's all love afterwards. Uh, I, I don't have any of my former opponent. Well, that's not true. I fought this one dork. Uh, There's always that one guy, right? Man, I fought a dork from Florida, and uh, yeah, that guy's a loser. But uh, I fought him on a – so I fought for a UKF world title last year, and uh, it didn't go my way. Uh, I actually spent – I was in the hospital a week – the week leading up to fight week. I spent the oh, entire man. week in the hospital. I was cutting weight in the hospital you know, putting on a hoodie, going and trying to get in the, uh, on the treadmill and trying to sit the like, hospital for, if you don't mind me asking, man, I was, I was actually in a psychiatric hospital. Uh, when, uh, my, so my dad oh, died wow. on a, on a four wheeler and, um, I, I found my dad, um, he, he flipped it and broke his neck. So I found him and, um, Holy shit, brother. yeah, it just built up and built up. And, uh, oh, I was, yeah, man. I, Let's see, that was in February, and then in May, I fought on a, a card in Miami, Oklahoma, and, uh, man, I was matched with, like, three or four different dudes in that one, too, and, uh, like, a week out, a guy finally said he would fight me, and he came up from 155 to 170 to fight me, and, uh... Good on him, whoever that guy was. That, that yeah, guy yeah, man, he's... like a man of character. Yeah, he's a good dude, man. We're, we're good friends, um, and, uh it didn't go very well for him. I was just a lot bigger and hit a lot harder than he did. But yeah, uh, man, that's how it goes sometimes, man. You yeah. Go up weight class. Then do you think, is there, is there like a commonality, but when these people drop out, like, is there, is there any like single common factor or is it just every reason under the sun or just all of them are bitches or what, what, is there a single common factor? Like that seems to be like reoccurring theme here. Or? Man. Um, a lot of times they'll, uh, for me, it's, it's my height. Um, they'll see that I'm, <laughs> that I'm six, four, six, five fighting at 170. And a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times people don't want any part of that. Um, they, my record is kind of deceiving. Um, and, and when they see that, they, a lot of people don't like that too. I'm, I'm six and four, but going into 2019, actually, uh, going into my last three fights, I was six and one. Uh, I lost to the same guy twice. I've got 10 fights. Um, he's got 50-something fights. 
Wow. Uh, he's, he's beat pretty much everyone in Oklahoma multiple times. Um, and uh, so he's he, one of those guys that's like really good for the local circuit, but not quite enough to good enough to kind of crack through to the, the big show or why the hell is he even still fighting guys like you? If he man, he, he, uh, I, he took our first fight on, uh, on short notice too. I couldn't get matched in about two weeks out. He agreed to fight me. Okay. I didn't know much about him. I knew who he was, um, but I didn't know a whole lot about him. I knew he was pretty good. Uh, and so we had a real good fight. He dropped me three times in the first fight, but, but we pretty much just stood in the middle and banged the whole fight. Wow. And, uh, gnarly, bro. Yeah. And so he beat me in a decision, especially the third round. Cause I knew I was down on the scorecard. So I just pushed forward and, and uh, I love that though, man. Like, I yeah, just, it was fun. I wish I would have been able to watch that one, man. That sounds like a great fight. Just, yeah, just finding two dudes that are down to bang. And, and honestly, bro, like, some people here gets dropped three times as a bad thing, and I hear that as a good thing because if you were a bitch, you wouldn't have got up after the first or second time. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I hear it gets dropped three times, and I think I, I, I see, you know, a fucking you need a wheelbarrow for your stone. Man, man, I actually uh, I wear a mouthpiece that says "bitch please" on it, and uh, I wear it because I think it's funny. When I get dropped, I just smile, and uh, and, I, and I was that night. You know, he I was coming forward at, on the last time he knocked me down. I was coming forward, and he just stuck a he was a southpaw, and he stuck a straight left, just square in my mouth, uh-huh. and uh, it just like sat me down. And I just got up and I was laughing, and the ref was like, "Are you okay?" And I was laughing. I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm." I'm good. Like, it's all good. Yeah, certain guys just have that in them. Like, you know, I have my other podcast, Beefy Boys, and I've been watching pretty much every UFC fight for, like, the past six months. And, like, certain guys just have that little factor about them that the pain kind of – it doesn't bother them. Or if anything, it kind of gives them a little bit of extra juice. You see that. Like, I, that's just something that really can't be coached. You either got it or you don't. Man, you do, too, and, and it can come and go. Um, like, my last fight, like I said, I, I – I fought that dork from Florida and uh, he, uh, he ended up beating me in a five round decision. Um, But uh, I took that fight on the second time I fought that guy, I fought the same guy twice in six weeks. And the second time I fought him, um, he caught me with a something in the first round. And all I remember is waking up late in the second round and looking up and the ref stopping it. And I looked down and my nose was gushing everywhere and it broke my nose and, and I was all the way unconscious. Wow. And uh, so I took another title fight in two weeks after that with a broken nose and a concussion. And so I fought that dork on a, um, when I shouldn't have fought him in the first place, but it was a title fight. And so I was real hesitant to pull the trigger because I was like, oh, man, if this dude touches my nose, it's it's going to suck, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that totally changes everything. Yeah. But so it's all about confidence. You know, if I'm, if I'm feeling good and, and, you know, I, if I know I have a good, a big part for me is if I know I can go in there and not get tired, then I'll fight a lot better than it. So it's, it's all about the work you put in, you know, before the fight. Yeah. But Let me ask you this, man. Um, I feel like it's a question probably everybody who's never fought that's watched a fight has been wanting to ask a fighter. So this is their opportunity to get an answer. Like, when you're in the cage, man, and you're getting punched, you know, granted, granted you're healthy, not like the scenario you have a busted nose already, but say you're feeling good going into a fight, and, uh, like, like are you, how much pain are you actually feeling, and how much is the adrenaline taking over? Like, 
Like, just kind of talk, because that's something, you know, your average Joe out there that's probably listening will never, ever be able to understand or experience for themselves. So that's a question I know I've always wondered. And how much of the pain are you actually feeling real time? I know you feel it afterwards, but real time in the octagon, how are you feeling? Man, you uh, you really feel very little of it. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy. Like, there's, there's certain punches, you know, if you get hit in the nose, your eyes are watering regardless of – in the fight or, or whatever, it hurts a lot less in a fight than in sparring. Uh, but your eyes are yeah. still going to water. You know, if you get hit, like I've had dudes hit me and like peel my eyelid back and it's still hard to see in a fight, you know, it, you, yeah. your eyes still water. Um, uh, if you take a solid leg kick, it's still, still not comfortable. Um, but you're kind of like, Oh, you know, shit that hurt. Like rather yeah. than like trying to take a break or whatever, like you might in sparring, which hopefully you wouldn't do that. But, yeah. um, uh, but Man, it, I, I gotta um, as a taller fighter, I gotta imagine you're probably dishing out more leg kicks than you're taking. Or, or have you ever fought a guy that's that's just had your number on the leg kick game? Man, uh, not really. Um, that guy that came up from 155 to fight me, um, I, he caught me with a really solid leg kick. I kind of knew that he was a more of a pressure fighter, uh, and so I. I I knew he was going to come out pretty hard in the first round. And uh, um, I was trying to kind of like establish my range, kind of using, you know, my teep or push kick and, and keep a range. And he threw a real hard leg kick and it, it didn't buckle my knee, but I definitely felt it. Yeah. And uh, kind of when he was exiting, I caught him with a, like a, a right cross or, or a right hook and uh, it stumbled him. And after that, he didn't, he didn't really want too much of that. He didn't, he never really came back into, into his range, but no, I've never fought anybody. Uh, I've been calf kicked a couple a couple times that really sucked. Um, but no, no one's really just beat up my legs. It's hard for shorter guys to get into my range. So that, that's what I figured. That's what I figured. Um, man. Um, so you touched on it earlier. You fight at one seventy typically when you can find somebody who actually fight you at that weight class. Um, what do you walk around at? I think that's something else your average Joe out there doesn't really understand the whole weight cutting process and what guys walk around at versus what they fight at. And I just kind of want to, I mean, it's, it's something that I'm very curious about, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners and viewers are. Just kind of get into that. What do you walk around at um, and, and for you to fight at 170 and, and then kind of maybe get into some of the weight cutting process? Man, uh, I'm kind of a fat ass. I like to eat. <laughs> um, and so I've been seeing your wife be cooking up the meals, bro. Man, yeah, I like to cook too. And so I don't always – I don't always eat the best in between fights. If if I, if I know I don't have anything scheduled, I kind of just yeah. eat what I want. Um, you buckle down in fight camp. You're one of those guys. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't, cool. There's nothing wrong with that. I'll still train hard, um, but my diet is kind of slacks. I'm a plumber. This is my full time job. So I ride around in a plumbing van. I eat a lot of gas station food and stuff like that on yeah, a normal day. Yeah. Comes with um, the territory, man. Yeah. Um, but that's generally, cool, man. you got a solid way to pay your bills, man. A lot of fighters, you know, that's kind of the only skill they're bringing to the table and it, it gets hard for them. So I always like to see my guys eat regardless. Yeah, man, it, it's it's tough, especially as an amateur fighter to um, or, you know, a lower level pro when you're making, you know, a few hundred bucks uh, to a yeah, few man. thousand bucks. You know, you can't, uh, you know, here at the gym, we've got Jimmy Flick. And uh, even he, man, he's got a full-time job still. He just signed with the UFC. He's still got a full-time job. Man, fucking old boy that just knocked out Kasanganate. Uh, I, I, his name's evading me right now, but on this last UFC card, 
the guy, the, the viral spinning kick that's going around. Yeah, he, yeah. He was in an interview with Ariel Hawani, and he and he was talking about literally the day before that fight, he didn't know if he was going to keep fighting because he didn't know if it was like a viable career. He had a newborn baby, and and he said if it wasn't for that spinning kick and going viral and the, the 200 Gs from Dana, the, that mountain, that potentially may have been his last fight. How So it's easy to understand the, the struggle on the local circuit if he's on the UFC, the biggest stage, and still feeling that way. Yeah, yeah, man, it's it's tough. Uh, you know, there's a uh, oh, what's a uh, old girl's name that uh, just beat Sarah Alpar from uh, uh, Calvillo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's badass. Yeah, she, uh, you know, she tweeted out that uh, before that fight, she had $17 in her bank account, you know. It's, uh, yeah. I know a lot of fighters that have, you know, lived at the gym, you know, slept on the ring. Um, you know, yeah, it's man. a tough sport to make it, and everyone thinks that everyone's Conor McGregor. You know, everyone's fighting yeah. for a million dollars. Exactly. And, uh, uh, you know, Even especially Muay Thai. people, bro, like, God damn it, like, like guys like Derek Brunson and Kevin Holland and just those journeyman guys that never got that money fight there. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it is. It's a tough, it's a tough life out there for a fighter. Yeah. Even, I mean, even Jorge Masvidal before he, you know, really came back and made his name big, even he didn't know if he was going to fight again. His money wasn't right. You know, he took a, took a break off and went to whatever, like, you know, I mean, it takes one fucking lump sum to be able to quit your job. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. A little bit here and there. I mean, that would be irresponsible on your part as a father to quit your job. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So exactly. You, need, you really do kind of need that big break. I, I feel it, man. I feel it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to turn this, this podcasting thing into a full-time gig for me. And, you know, I, obviously I'm not getting hit in the face, but I feel it. It's, it, it, it's, um, it's a different way to make a living. That's for sure. It's not. Yeah, for way. sure. For sure. Um, man. So I, I gotta be real. Like when I'm for everybody watching, listening, um, me and Jay went to school together. I think, were you one or two grades younger than me? One. I was, th- I graduated in 13. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was class of 12. So me and Jay went to school together back in Norman, Oklahoma. And back then, I knew you more as a basketball player, you know, just tall ass. Uh, but, yeah. So when, I got to ask, when did you get into fighting? When did you discover it? What made you want to start? All that. Man, so uh, I ended up going to, uh, you know, my senior year of high school. My junior year, I broke my foot and sat out most of the basketball season with a broken okay. foot. Um, I broke the only one of two bones in your body that doesn't heal itself. Um, and oh, so I had to go shit. through a bunch of therapy and stuff. And I sat out the whole year for that. Uh, my senior year, I was um, playing really well. Um, I won, We went to a tournament. And I was MVP of the tournament. I was putting up, oh, you know, 20 a game. And uh, uh, I ended up breaking my back. Oh, and, uh, yeah, because I got to say, bro, like, you always was hooping. Like, always. Like, like you, you put effort into that shit. I mean, you know, oh, we yeah. had, like, football team would be, like, seeing y'all. We'd cross pads in between workouts and shit. And I'd always see you hooping, man. So, you, you've always had that kind of self-drive i think i think that's yeah say. yeah man and i i ended up signing with a uh, an nai school in tennessee uh so i went out there for my freshman year and uh to i was hoop? in the gym do i to hoop to, for basketball you, you, yeah 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 oh okay okay uh, i went cool, out there cool. to play and uh i uh i was in the gym one night and uh there were some clowns on the other side of the floor just messing around and uh my girlfriend was in there at the time was sitting in there um, and I was chasing after a ball and I looked back to talk to her and 
these dweebs on the other side of the floor didn't tell me that their ball was rolling my way. And I stepped on their ball and uh, I tore three ligaments in my ankle and all sorts of stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. And so that was my Jesus. third year in a row getting hurt playing basketball. Wow. So I left after my freshman year, which sucks. I never even stepped foot on the floor. I was a red shirt. Yeah. I was Richard already from hurting my back. And so uh, I, I never even stepped on the, uh, on the college floor. And uh, so I took a year off. I got in the horse business. That's kind of what I've done my whole life. Uh, got in the horse business, ended up joining the Marine Corps. Um, I came back from the Marine Corps and uh, ended up meeting a, a, a different girl, got married and uh, started rodeoing. And uh, God damn, bro, you're fucking – uh, we need to get you and connect it with a goddamn documentary person or a biography Man. writer or something, Doc. We're fucking 20 minutes into this podcast. I'm on the edge of my seat, bro. This is amazing. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah, I started rodeoing. I was fighting bulls, and I was just getting – I was not the best bullfighter in the world, so I was getting just tore up all the time. God uh, damn. And, uh, yeah, I, I hurt my shoulder pretty bad. I, I got run over pretty good one time, and uh, – uh, I fought bulls for a little bit longer, uh, and then my, my wife at the time was a professional barrel racer, and so I kind of quit fighting bulls and started following her around. Uh, I ended up getting a job on the railroad, and which is a good-paying job. And, okay. uh, yeah, and uh, I, but I started like a getting – a Mark Twain novel, dog. <laughs> man, yeah, I've been around, bro. I've been around. Yeah, man, for a young and two, man. I love it, man. That's why when, whenever older cats try to, you know – Throw the age card on somebody like me and you that's been around the block. It's like, dog, I probably lived more in my 26 years than you have in your 40. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, man, uh, but, but sorry to keep distracting you. I'm just like, no, you're good, you're my good. mind's blown right now. This is awesome, brother. So, yeah, you're working on the railroad. Man, I just started to get a little chunky and, and you know, coming from, uh, <laughs> coming from, you know, playing college basketball and whatnot, I'd never been chunky. You know, I used to walk around at, like, when I got out of boot camp, I was like 155 pounds, oh, and shit. yeah, I mean boot camp sucks. But uh, yeah. but I, yeah, I was lean. I was probably like I don't know four or five percent body fat then. Like I was tiny. Yeah, that's and uh, yeah, and, and so I, I didn't like how I looked, and I didn't know what to do. So I started lifting real heavy, and I was like, man, maybe I should try to like I don't know, be a bodybuilder or something. And like then I realized that I'm six foot five, 170 pounds. <laughs> yeah, that's hard, that's hard to squat. It's hard to get thick with that body frame. Yeah, exactly. And so I got uh, the exact opposite problem, dog. I'm five, <laughs> so I'm just, I get thick with no, with no, with no problem at all. Man, it's, it's give and take on that one. But I, uh, there was, I was living in Muskogee or near Muskogee and, uh, I told my, my wife at the time, I was like, I'm just going to, go into this gym. There's a, a place called fusion boxing. I didn't know anything about it. Never thrown a, you know, a real punch other than like really? a street fight in my life. You didn't know anything. And I went in and I, I met this guy by the name of Ty Pilgrim and he, uh, he, uh, this gigantic German guy, bald German dude. And, uh, crazy guy. I mean, he's, he's crazy. Sounds didn't intimidating have, already. Oh man. He's so intimidating. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't know anything about him, who he was. I just knew it was a gym. And I was like, yeah, you know, this boxing thing sounds cool. Like, I'll come in here and get in shape. So I go in there for a couple of weeks, and he came up to me, and he was like, hey, you know, you're more athletic than, you know, the normal person that comes through this gym. Have you ever thought Definitely. about fighting? And I was like, man, I don't know. Like, it'd be, 
it'd be cool to, you know, to have a fight someday or whatever, you know, a little, um, just to, just to have some fun. And he was like, well, do you, uh, do you want to be a boxer? Do you want to be an MMA fighter? And he's like, cause if it's not fun for you, you know, then there's no point. And so I was like, oh yeah, you know, the UFC, I want to be a UFC fighter. Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, uh, he was like, all right. And, uh, so I went to, uh, this place called Trinity martial arts for like, I don't know, a, a tryout type deal, I guess. And, and, uh, I ended up, you know, they, they were thought I was okay. So, so, uh, he said, potential, you uh, have potential. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, man, uh, if you're going to be an MMA fighter, you got to learn Muay Thai. And man, I'm talking like at the time I could, I didn't even know how to spell Muay Thai, like yeah, yeah. spelling, like telling people that I was training Muay Thai, you know, like, shit like that. <laughs> And uh, I had no idea what it was. And I was like, man, I just want to, you know, I just want to be like, learn some boxing, learn some jujitsu. And, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. And he's like, no, man, I'm telling you, like, you gotta, you gotta learn Muay Thai. Well, it turns out that this guy, Ty Pilgrim was like a, like world renowned coach. And uh, I, so I didn't know that. And, uh, and he's actually the, um, I don't know if you know who Art Davey is, but Art Davey is one of the guys that's had a huge part in starting the UFC. Um, he oh, basically, wow. like, he more or less made MMA, uh, which wow. then turned into the UFC. And yeah, uh, there's yeah. a there's a, a book about, a biography about him. And uh, in the, the front of the book, there's all these people that, like, have quotes or whatever, or, you know, have little something to say about art Davey yeah. and Ty, Ty was one of those people in one that book. Oh wow. Yeah. That's and so uh, he's a big deal. He was in the German military for like 20 something years. And, uh, he would come back from a deployment and he would spend all of his off time in Thailand training. And, uh, what a bad motherfucker. <laughs> man, he is bro. He's like 300 pounds. Kicking him is like kicking a pole. Like it's oh, insane. My God. And, uh, so I started learning Muay Thai and I fell in love with it, man. It's, um, I was like, man, forget this MMA thing. Like, I just want to fight Muay Thai, you know? Because, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Man, Muay Thai is a, it's a whole different ball game. It's like, MMA is cool, but Muay Thai is savagery. It's, I mean, it's, it's badass. So, so would you say that you essentially like prefer Muay Thai to MMA? Oh, I'm 100% a Thai boxer. Oh, 100%. That's yeah. Good, man. That's, yeah. That's really cool. I think, uh, not a lot of people out there would probably expect that. I think that's, that's, that's really interesting. But, yeah, keep yeah. going, bro. Um, and so I, I started slowly just working my way into it. And about two months into training Muay Thai, he had this poster on his wall, and it was for the um, – it's called the Muay Thai World Expo. And it's in Des Moines, Iowa every year, and there's like 850 fighters that come every year. And the, it's a, the, in Des Moines? That's so random. I thought you were yeah, going to say it's, Thailand. Like, I thought the next words out of your mouth were going to be like such and such Thailand, not Des Moines, Iowa. Man, like there's this guy Iowa. There's this guy that came, uh, came from Thailand. So in, in Muay Thai, you have a uh, what's called a crew, and a crew is a teacher. That's like basically a coach. And then you have an Arjan, which is basically like uh, – you have to be like sanctioned by the Thai authority to oh, be an Arjan and um, they have to like, they like sign off on all of it. So it's a big deal. There's a guy named Arjan Chai and he's the one that brought uh, Muay Thai to America and wow. he puts on, yeah, he, he's like one the of the 80s? ones. When was that? Do you know? 
Man, I don't know. Um, Back in the day? Yeah, fairly recently. I mean, oh, um, 80s, 90s probably. Okay, um, okay. It, Muay Thai is still small in America. I mean, it's getting a lot bigger, um, thank God, but it, it's still relatively unknown in America. Because if it was, it would be uh, – if people knew what Muay Thai was, uh, it would be a huge deal in America. But people just don't know – don't really know much about it. But I've always he, felt the same way about rugby. Like I always felt like if, if exactly. everybody knew what the fuck was going on, they'd love this shit. But yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, definitely, bro. Um, yeah, definitely. Keep going, bro. My bad. He uh, so Arzon Chai uh, got with some guys that are. Um, I, I think he trained them, uh, but they ended up putting on this tournament in their first year. That you know they had like eight people, and uh, then it's grown to where now it's the biggest tournament in the world. Oh um, shit. Yeah, so two months into training, he, like, pointed at this poster, and he's like, that's your first fight. And I was like. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was like, what? Oh, this is dope. Yeah, so that was in, like, God, maybe February or March of 2017 or 18. And uh, no, 17. So you were, yeah, like, 17. what, like, 23, 22? You, you 23, like yeah. 23, wow. Yeah, I just turned 23, and. And, uh, so he, he was like, yeah, you're going to fight in that. So the way that they do their stuff is there's not like, you don't fight at a weight. You have a weight bracket since it's a tournament. And, uh, he's so old school and like, he's such a savage man that he, uh, he was like, well, you're a big guy. So eventually you're going to be a heavyweight. So you're just going to fight heavy. He's like, you're not, you're, yeah. He was like, you're not going to cut weight. You're just going to fight heavy. Yeah. So my bracket was like. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Sorry, everybody, I'm laughing so hard because if anybody's ever met Jay Finley, like even he calls himself fat, whatever, he's still a tall, thin guy. Like, just that's your build is tall and thin. Yeah, so for, yeah. For, for me, to, that's like somebody telling Izzy Adesanya to fight heavyweight. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was, it, my bracket was 195 to like 204. And okay. uh, the day of, um, the day of the weigh-ins, man, I, we, dro we drove to uh, Des Moines, and uh, I stepped on a scale, and I was two and a half pounds under. And I was like, I was like, bro, Ty, this is a problem, man. Like, I'm not going to be able to fight. They won't let me. And he was like, we'll fix that. And so we stopped at Burger King and Dairy Queen on the <laughs> way to weigh-ins. Yeah, and I just ate the entire way. Ended up weighing in at, like, I don't know, like 196 and a half. And Literally like no like one, four pounds of burger. Yeah, yeah. No one knew that I was just bloated as shit getting on the scales. Like everyone else was cutting weight. So yeah, I uh, the exact opposite of every other MMA experience ever. Yeah, dude. So I I had my first fight and I ended up in a bracket to where to win the tournament I was gonna have to win four fights in a, in two days, and uh, in yeah in, in two days and uh, th no three days. It was uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So. Uh, I'm getting – this is the craziest thing, man. Uh, I'm getting ready for my first fight. You know, I'm, I'm nervous. I don't know who this dude is I'm about to fight. I know he's way bigger than me. He cut a bunch of weight to hit 204. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's this little Mexican kid from – I say little. He's a big Mexican guy from uh, <laughs> from uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. And uh, I, uh, I'm sitting there, and I start warming up, and I look to my left, and – they have like one convention center in this hotel that has four rings and they just run through fights. There's 300 fights in a day. And so they just like, what? yeah. So they just run through yeah. these fights, man. Like they call you up 
to get your gloves and then you start warming up and then they call your number and then you're on deck. So you go sit and watch the fight before you and then you fight and it's just all day. A rotation. And what, what uh, are the um like rounds? Like what? How, what's like the format for a Muay Thai? Is it, is it what, what? What? How many rounds? How long are the rounds? Uh, so amateur Muay Thai is two minute rounds, uh, three twos, unless you're a championship fight, and then it's five. five and then okay. Uh, okay. professional and some some uh, like not tournament style, but some actual promotions will be three minute rounds. Uh, so it's basically kickboxing rules um, okay. as far as the time and stuff goes. But yeah, I, I see how three twos, you could rattle off a lot of three twos. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and all all your tournaments are in, uh, well, unless you're an experienced fighter, but your like lower level tournaments are, are all with headgear and shin guards. So you take a little bit of abuse off. Um, but man, I, I was sitting there in this like little convention center, get just get my gloves, get my shin guards on and all that stuff. And I look to the left, and the dude that I'm that I'm fighting is sitting in a chair next to me, watching me hit pads, warming up. And I was like, "Man, this is so weird." And so, like, I didn't know if I should like hit pads real shitty, so he didn't think I was good, or like yeah, what to yeah. do, or like crack the shit out of him, cause like try to scare him or what. Yeah, and yeah. So he's, yeah. he, I never saw this dude warm up. I just saw him stare at me and watch me warm up the whole time. That's and uh, so he went out, and I I beat that guy. I broke three of that dude's ribs. Oh, and uh, yeah, and beat him. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm good till you know, I'm good good till Saturday. And they're like, no, you're not. You fight again in like three hours. Oh, and I was shit. like, what the fuck? It's and like so the worst amount of time too, because it's like you totally uh, yeah. down. Like you can't really like get no recovery, and it's like the worst, like worst of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. Like more and, time you could have got recovery, and less time you can kind of keep yourself warm. But like that's like that wackest scenario. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I got, I ended up fighting a pretty good second fight too. So I won both fights that day. And oh. so I went to the semifinals on Saturday and I fought this cat named uh, Cooper Hayes, CJ Hayes. And uh, he fights in LFA now. Oh, and uh, yeah, he just knocked a cat out in 13 seconds in, in LFA. Uh, yeah. This cat came out and wouldn't touch gloves with him. So he shrugged and just one punched this dude. <laughs> and uh, like yeah. uh yeah, he's a savage, man. He's a savage. I'm going to have to and, get me fight pass pretty soon. I want to start watching some LFA fights for sure. Man, uh, it's high level. It's yeah, high level hey, stuff. Yeah, without a doubt, man. Um, but, yeah, yeah, sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, you're good. You're good. And uh, so we, he uh, he was a lot shorter than me, but dude's built like a brick shit house, man. His, his shoulders are like as wide as two of me. And oh, wow. uh, so I was, I was nervous as hell. I was like, man, I bet this dude hits so hard. And uh, come to find out after the fight, we were talking. He was like, no, I was nervous because you're so tall, man. He's like, I thought you were going to whoop my ass. <laughs> but I thought I could keep him, you know, like like push him and keep him out. So I stuck my left arm out, and he hit me with a giant overhand right. And, oh, uh, you know, I wore my bitch please mouthpiece. So I smiled at him, and I took a step, and my whole legs just wobbled. And so he ended up beating me in the uh, shit in like 46 seconds. He knocked me out. But, oh, uh, wow. It did, but yeah, is it man. like a boxing knockout where like they give you a ten count, or how does it work in more time? So you get an eight count. Eight? Oh wow, that's hard. Yeah. yeah. So I wobble. A drop is a knockout because it's hard to recover from eight. Yeah. 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 I feel it. I feel it. I got my eight count, and he was like, "Are you good?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm good." And I walked out, and I was not good. And I walked out <laughs> with my hands down, and he just got a free one. And, and, oh uh, shit! Yeah, yeah. I I'll send you the video of it later. It's pretty funny. Okay. Um, all right, all right. But uh, 
Yeah, so that was my first experience with the uh, with Muay Thai, and for some dumbass reason, I was like, "Yeah, that was fun as hell." And <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, been... no, that sounds cool, man. From the story, now let me ask you this, bro. Just because I mean, I I don't know. I have a very rudimentary understanding of Muay Thai, like probably more than your average Joe, but less than anybody that actually knows anything about Muay Thai. So right. um, I find myself in like an interesting scenario there but so my understanding of muay thai it's like you can knee you can elbow and you can clinch and i don't know like that that's about as far as my description goes just kind of iron out some of those details for me like what like how would you describe the sport of muay thai you know in your words so the uh the way that my coach my first coach ty um explained it to me. He said, Muay Thai is a gentleman's agreement to stand in the middle of the ring and beat the shit out of each other. And bang. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like, like, because kickboxing is more known for keeping the distance. Yeah. And yeah, we yeah. all know what boxing's turned into. So, right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Muay Thai, you're right. It's very aggressive, very direct, very no bullshit. Yeah, there's a, it's a very specific and distinct style. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's very rhythmic in Thailand. You it's, you won't see it a lot in America because um, it turns people off from the sport. But um, in in Thailand, they march and they play this this Thai music the whole time, and you they basically march to that music. Um, and so everything's like very um, it's very rhythmic. It, it's if you and really like watch music it, during the fight, and then the fight goes to the tempo of the music. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I never knew. That's very interesting because, like, me watching so much MMA lately, you always hear the word rhythm and, like, how guys like Corey Sandhagen have an awkward rhythm and, like, things like that. And so Muay Thai kind of eliminates that and they kind of give you a rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and okay. they, um, uh, trying to put my phone in a better spot here. Um, no, no, so they, uh, there we go. So they, uh, it, they like play all this music and and everything it's it's different because everything in muay thai is i, I say everything kind of speaking generally here but um a, a lot of it you know you don't see these like nine piece combinations like you do in boxing or or dudes in mma throw 50 punches when the dude's backing up if you're backing yeah, yeah. up in muay thai you're, you're losing period i mean there's no backing up like, like that's how it's judged like on the school yeah board? yeah if, if you're backing up you're losing um, oh, if you're wow. against the ropes, That's you're losing. Good. There is no like, yeah, there's no defensive tie fighting. Um, oh, wow. It's all offense all the time. And uh, oh, wow. Yeah, wow. It, yeah, it's savage, man. And um, it's uh, there's sweeps, dumps, trips, throws. Um, the pretty much the only thing you really? can't do. Really? In I, I had no idea. That, so there is like, because I knew about the tie clinch, obviously, because you hear it a million times every UFC card, but. So there are there is essentially a level to of grappling to Muay Thai as well as far as more of like a judo type of throws and tosses. It, it's a different it's a different type of throw. Uh, like you can't hook in you can't hook a leg. Um, oh, so it's okay. It it's all upper body. Yeah, well, it, it's all sweep. So it's like off balance and sweeping their legs. Um, oh, okay, okay, okay. And if you catch a kick, you can sweep. Um, you can dump like in a clinch. If you catch a knee, you can dump. Um, that kind of stuff, but it, it's not, it's not, jump. A, explain jump a little more. So like if you're in, if you're in the clinch, 
and someone knees and you you can hook their knee from under. Oh, and then carry it over into a takedown. And sweep their other leg out from under them. Oh. Um, so it, it's 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 different from like a judo to where you like grab and and like hook a leg and throw them over your leg. It's it's all yeah. it's all based on like their momentum basically. Um, okay. That's really which, interesting, man. Yeah, I just I never knew that much about Muay Thai. I knew you could knee, I knew you could elbow, and I knew you could clinch, but that was about all I knew about it. Yeah, and watching watching MMA and them calling a you know a Thai clinch or, or he's a great Thai boxer or whatever uh, is not a good representation of real Muay Thai. Because uh, there's okay. there's not one person in the UFC that I could like really pinpoint and be like that's a a good Muay Thai fighter. Uh, well, I think like, the women are better examples, right? Like Dr- they Dr- are. Anime. And then what's the old girl, the Korean girl? It's like Jinsu Kumi or some shit. She just fought like two cards ago, and her Muay her Muay Thai elbows were exquisite. And I, her name's escaping me right now, but uh, yeah, she was it, like it's a nine time world t- Muay Thai champion as well. I. And, uh, uh, oh God, uh, wait, I'm slipping. I forget her name, but, uh, but you know, Joanna is a, is a, is a pretty good Thai boxer. She was originally a Thai boxer. Uh, okay. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko is a, is a, is a pretty good Thai boxer. Yeah, it seems to be more prevalent in the women's MMA. Yeah, it does. Better, better it, Muay Thai in the women's ring. There's, uh, which I, I'm not saying that there's not good women wrestlers, but, wrestling is less there's not your you know henry cejudo's and your john jones and your good point, uh, good point. and your guys like that that are just gonna smash you on the ground and all that and there's really there's really no nobody that's like um oh uh damian maya there's yeah. very few of those people that are just like so heavy on the ground um, and so you get a lot more of those Muay Thai works a lot better against some of those people. Cause if you, you know, people are like, Oh, if a, if a Muay Thai fighter goes to MMA, he's going to get fucked up. And well, maybe, I mean, it just I depends mean, yeah, on the like, yeah, if you're fighting Khabib, but yeah, if you're fighting a striker, like, yeah, I, I've yeah. seen Muay Thai be very effective. Yeah. I mean, if I go fight, you know, I mean, well, anyone in the UFC, but, uh, if I went and fought, you know, some wrestler in MMA, of course, I'm going to get fucked up because I don't have any, I don't know wrestling. You didn't but even it, wrestle in high school, did you? No, hell no. That, and, that's and so, I, for a long time, I kind of like convinced myself you did just because you were skinny and you fight now. <laughs> no, no, man. I, I No, I have very, um, I've, I've still never even done jujitsu. Um, really? I've, the only thing I've done on the ground is called uh, Luta Libre. And, uh, so Luta Libre is – traditionally, there's no such thing as no-gi jiu-jitsu. Um, in, okay, yeah, yeah. In Brazil, if you were rich and you could afford a gi, you did jiu-jitsu. If you were kind of like from the slums and you couldn't afford a gi, you did no-gi, and it was Luta Libre. Oh, and, uh, I had no idea. That was the origin. Yeah, and Luta Libre is um, – there's no uh, – it's not point-based like a lot of these jiu-jitsu tournaments are. It's, it's all submission-based. Um, oh, okay. So that was a uh, that my old coach Ty was a black got his black belt in Luta Libre. Also, he was a he really? was a striking coach for a team in Brazil for a, a good while, and while he was there, he was like, ah, fuck it, I might as well get a black belt in Luta Libre, <laughs> and so he did. But uh, no, that's, but yeah, that's interesting, man. Yeah, I've never heard of that discipline before. Um, 
Well, yeah, I was going to ask where you got your nickname, Muay Thai Cowboy, because I, mind you, I, phenomenal nickname, bro, and I, I judge the nicknames, like, harshly, like, I always bring them into the Beefy Boy breakdown, like, if I, there's a nickname I like, and I got to say, bro, if we were breaking you down, I would go on and on about Muay Thai Cowboy, that's a ridiculously good nickname, but you pretty much already described the origin of it, I mean, you love Muay Thai, you practice Muay Thai primarily, and you, you, you also worked in the horse game, you know, real real cowboys. So you, you were in rodeos. So, so yeah, ain't, Man, no, ain't no faking the funk. What's, what's funny about that nickname is uh, that coach, Ty Pilgrim, he, uh, he came from – he growing up in Germany, he always wanted to be a cowboy. Like, you'd watch John Wayne movies and stuff, <laughs> and he always wanted to be a cowboy. He grew up in this place called Rupot, and uh, it's very, like, industrial, like, middle-class, working-class place in Germany and uh, a lot of factories and everything and uh he always wanted to come to america and be a cowboy so he moved to uh wow. he, he ended up he was working uh he was working security for like the treasurer of the of the republican party or some some crazy nonsense like that in florida and uh, he met this girl on um uh on an airplane and ended up marrying her. Um, oh, wow. And, yeah, so they're still married, and he moved to Oklahoma with her. And uh, he moved out to this little place and bought him some land. So uh, he went on this podcast, and they called him. Uh, they were like, we're here with Ty, Ty Pilgrim, the Muay Thai cowboy. And uh, oh, he thought true. that shit was dope. And so I heard it in the gym. I was watching the podcast, and I, like, texted him. And I was like, Ty, I'm stealing that nickname. And he was like, what? And I was like, that's my nickname now. And he was like, that's my nickname. And I said, not anymore. <laughs> like, whatever <laughs> and so he just went with it and no, it's that's, what great, it, that's, that's what it was no i i love it though i'm all about the nicknames like i feel like it can make or break a fighter as far as like marketing goes like one yeah. of my favorite right now is um old girl i forget her full name but uh the queen of violence lipsky, lipsky yeah the queen of violence i love that nickname i'm super yeah. on board with it uh i don't know Dan 50k Ege, I thought that was pretty fucking clean. Um, the the gorilla, I, I love I love Darren Till, man. Like, oh yeah, yeah Darren Till. I love Darren Till because he's so game. Like I love fighters man. that are game and don't turn it into politics and don't turn it. Because on, on one hand, I understand the business of being selective with your fights and I get that. But as a fan perspective, it's so refreshing just to see fighters that are just like, fucking throw somebody in here with me and we'll get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mike Perry, man, I love Mike. I mean, Mike Perry's a weird guy. But, uh, <laughs> He's a but work, that, but in the cage. He'll, he'll, he'll bang, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's, that's what I like about, like, you know, uh, like McGregor is, uh, I mean, obviously not so much now because he's, I mean, if I got a hundred, a net worth of $150 million, I'm probably going to pick my fights too, but yeah, yeah. But you know, coming up, it was anybody and everybody. And, uh, Man, I, I fucking hope they can get that McGregor Poirier fight worked out. I think that would be so phenomenal. I, I love everything about it. I really do. Cause I'm a big Poirier fan, big McGregor fan. I mean, I love, I love, because, I mean, Poirier, it's kind of a super fight, but not really. Like, if Conor really wanted to politic and, and play wishy-washy and all that, he could hold out for some weird big thing. But the yeah. fact that he's willing to kind of give fight a guy like Poirier, I mean, I know he just fought Cowboy, but I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I, I just like everything about it. I fucking really hope Dana can make that work. I saw something today that uh, they that Dana offered him, like, 
like late late January or something like that for that fight. He said he couldn't get it done because of the UFC's current schedule, but offered like yeah, yeah. January 23rd or something like that. No, I feel because that does need to be a main event. You can't have yeah. Connor and Poirier as a co-main. Yeah, I, I yeah. feel that, and you can't really bump anybody. You're not going to put them on a fight night. It has to be a pay-per-view. Yeah, You're not yeah. going to bump K- Khabib Gagey. I get no. it. I, I, I get the business side of it. I do. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. That kind of transitions in. Like, right now, I mean, to me, this question, this, my answer changes to this every fucking three months. I'm one of those guys. But who's your favorite fighter, bro? Man, so uh, my favorite fighter right now is actually a dude named Dave LaDuke. And uh, is he in the UFC? He is not. Uh, so Dave okay. LaDuke is a guy. He's Canadian. He's French Canadian, and uh, he started out as a grappler, exclusively a grappler. Uh, and he started getting into Muay Thai, and uh, so he was going and he was fighting these Muay Thai fights. And in, in Thailand, Muay Thai is all about betting. Um, so they, you yeah, know, yeah. The, the traditionally the first round of Muay Thai is like they go not soft, but they go back and forth so people can place their bets and that's how those fighters really? make their money too yeah and really? uh, they get a cut of the bet action i'm not exactly sure how it all works um i've never been uh yeah, yeah, but they yeah. say like the first the first round is just back and forth and uh then in the second and third they're like all right now it's like time to bang and uh so then it's like just six a lot of like gentlemen's agreements in muay thai like kind of like baseball like some unwritten rules there is, man. It's 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 just a it's a completely different sport, which I think is one of the reasons why it's it's hasn't transitioned to America. The same as like MMA, um, like you very rarely see um, anyone in Muay Thai like beefing like like McGregor and and yeah, Khabib yeah, or something like that. Respect. Yeah, yeah. It's all yeah. about all about respect, and which I think is why I grad I kind of gravitated towards it, uh, but. Uh, but yeah, man. Uh, so Dave Leduc, he he went to Thailand and he uh, he was like knocking people out in the first round. And so they were like, "Yo, we can't have you doing this." And he was like, "I'm just fighting, man." And they were like, "Yeah, no, like we don't have fights for you anymore." So uh, he went. He, yes, he heard about this sport called Lethway. And have you ever heard of Lethway? Hell no. Oh what my god, man, Lethway is the coolest sport in the entire world. So uh, Lethway is. Uh, it's it's similar to Muay Thai, kind of, sort of, is like the closest thing <laughs> to relate it to, but it's all bare knuckle. There's headbutts. Uh, you can kick oh, people shit. on their way down. If you get knocked out, if you get knocked unconscious, you've got two minutes to recover and keep fighting. It's two knockouts. Minutes? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's yeah. it's knockout only. Um, so there's like there a time. Rounds? Yeah, there's rounds and there's um. But it, you you don't win unless you knock somebody out, and uh, so there's like like Dave LaDuke's like yeah he's got like as many draws as he has, um as as he has wins just yeah, from the simple fact of not knocking somebody out. Itself, exactly, that sport kind of yeah. lends itself to a lot of draws. Yeah, uh-huh. um, so he he went that it's from Burma. It's a Burmese sport, really? and uh, okay. so he went over I there know and more they have about Burm, Burma's pythons in their sports. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And and uh, so he went over there to, to Burma and uh, he uh, to Myanmar, and uh, yeah, they yeah. have this this thing where you go and you fight in their prisons. Like they're like, it'd be like going to like I don't know like uh, what's what's the what's the big one out there in uh, in California, the big prison. Uh, um, 
San Quentin. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like going yeah, to San yeah. Quentin and uh, then being like, okay, we've got this. His, like, first fight was against this like guy. sounds like a bad 80s movie, bro. Dude, I know. I know. <laughs> he, he went there and he fought this guy. Um, I, I can't remember if he fought – if that's where he fought Tutu or not. I think I think that's – I think that's where he did, but he, I, if I'm right, he fought this guy named Tutu, and just T-U-T-U, and uh, <laughs> he, uh, this dude was there for like meth, like selling meth, like being a meth kingpin or whatever, and these guys that are in prison, if they win fights, they get time off their sentences, what? And, but you fight them in the prison, bro, in the prison, Jesus and so, yeah, Christ. yeah, he went and he worked the prison circuit. And then he ended up fighting this guy named uh, like his name is Tutu Min, and uh, he uh, fought him after he kind of like got out of the little prison circuit. He fought him, and they only have like he fights open weight, so it's not heavyweight. It's just like there's weight classes, and then once you hit like 170, I think is the last weight class, and then it's just open weight. Damn. And uh, so he's the open weight champion, the, the champion of the world, and. Uh, like, was this recently, or is this, like, back in the day? No, he's still fighting. He's he's fighting a guy named uh, Cyrus Washington in, I think, January or December or something like that. In the um, prison circuit, or? No, he's actually, uh, they're having the first ever Lakeway fight in uh, in America. And so, uh, it, it'll be, so it's going to be. Do you think that the, he just has no interest in the UFC or the UFC has no interest in him or so, using this politics? What's going on there? Like, is it like, like what's, I don't know. This is so interesting to me. He has a couple MMA fights um, and uh, they call him the king of left way. And so he like, he, when he got, he married this girl from Russia. And when he, uh, when he married this girl, it was on like national TV in, in Burma. And, uh, like, he's a – I mean, he's a star there. Like, Over everyone there, hated him. Was... Yeah, yeah, everyone hated him. And then uh, they realized, like, he did all the, like, Burmese traditions. Like, he's got these, like, leg tattoos that are basically it, – it, you know how, like, the Maoris, like, tattoo their faces and shit and tribal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's similar to that, but it's from, like, their waist to their knees. And it's, it's got, like, how much – it's got – I don't know exactly what it means, but it's, like, something about all the yeah, fights they've had. Yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so he's got his whole legs tattooed. And uh, he's like very traditional about his about his lethway. And uh, how old is he? I, I think he's in his thirties, like mid thirties. But he's a savage man. Like he he's just he's insane. He's not about that Hollywood life. But he's no, he's just chasing the lights. He's just chasing the fights. He's he's talked about coming to the UFC. Uh, yeah, I don't know man, if it'll I'm ever just happen. So but, intrigued. But. He'd be a problem, man. He'd be a problem for anyone because, like I said, he started out as a grappler. He was, like, running through yeah. all the circuits and everything. So, I mean. What? If he was in the UFC, what weight class do you think he'd fight at? Maybe 85 or 70. I'm not really okay. sure. Yeah, one um, of those weight classes. Yeah. He, he's, he's built a lot like me, which I think is why I like him so much. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> He's uh he's about my height and he's a little more muscular than I am, but he's a he's kind of a weird dude, man. He's like he's vegan, and uh, he just talks a bunch of shit to everybody, like everybody. He'll, he'll call out everybody and be like, "But you won't fight me in Lethway." And yeah. uh, he like has videos of him like headbutting pads, like headbutting heavy bags, and 
I mean, it's insane. That sport is wild, and I I'll, I yeah, will for sure wild. have a lightweight fight before I before I retire. I don't know when or where, but I will have one. And, okay, uh, no, that's super dope, goal, bro. All right, we're gonna keep it going here with episode nineteen of Dreadful Talk. Um, loving this week's guest, Jay Finley, um, MMA fighter. You know we we've gotten into you know how he's got his nickname, how he got into the sport. You know, he's broken down some of the intricacies of Muay Thai and Lethway. So let's get him back on here. Hey, man, thanks for coming back, brother. For sure, for sure. Yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, thank you for your time, man. So um, on the last hour... We didn't really get to get into any really that much of of your military, you know, uh, you 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 being a marine and and all that. And I definitely wanted to get into that. I just didn't want to have to rush it or anything, so I wanted to save it for this fresh hour. Um, so so first off, I keep saying former marine. Is that like disrespectful? Because I know y'all be on that like once marine, always marine shit. I don't want to be disrespectful. I just don't know how to like phrase it. Man, uh, I don't really care. The, uh, yeah, for sure. You you didn't strike me as the kind of guy that did. But, you know, I just didn't want to inadvertently, you know, um, you know, disrespect. But yeah, man, definitely wanted to touch on on your military career a little bit. Um, so, how old were you when you enlisted? Uh, I was nineteen when I enlisted. I so just that's, that's old man by Marine standards, huh? Man, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it was not a. I was literally trying to, you know, came back from college and was sitting on the uh, on the floor of my parents' house, and my dad looked at me and was like, "Why'd you never join the military?" I'm like, I don't know. I just I wanted to play basketball. I just never really yeah. got around to it. And he was like, "Why well, don't you?" And three days later, I was signed up for boot camp. Wow, man, that's that's wild. But yeah, man, we don't got to spend too much time on it. I just wanted to kind of I'd rather spend time on. I thought it was interesting to me that, like, you know, you're a Marine and an MMA fighter. Like, there seems to be, like, some commonalities there. Like, do you think one has anything to do with the other? Or is that just, like, a coincidence? Or, like, you know, or do you think you're kind of drawn to that kind of, you know, I don't know if you want to call it violence or, or competition or, or, you know, what? What Do you think there's any kind of connecting threads there? Man, uh, I think it's uh... – I like to see how far I can push myself. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I, I was going to say I like the discipline, but I, I'm not the most disciplined person in like my personal life. Um, I like, I struggle with cutting weight a lot. Um, you know, I, I'm not like a super clean guy. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of messy. Uh, so I don't think it's, it's necessarily, that's probably the biggest thing I had an issue with at boot camp was like keeping my shit squared away all the time. Yeah, and, uh, I would suck at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I, like looking back at my life, man, like I, I played, I was a soccer player before I was a basketball player. Oh, shit. And, uh, yeah, I, I played soccer in Europe in 2008. I played in Sweden and Denmark. And, oh, wow. Uh, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was a lot better at soccer than I was at basketball. And then I Damn. Uh, just kind of fell in love with basketball. And, um, and, uh, but I, you know, I quit soccer. I got hurt playing basketball, and I quit. When I, I mean, I in theory I could have stayed. And so I've always felt like I've kind of undersold my my ability. Um, 
And so, like, my dad, you know, before he died, he he straight up tell you, like, he's like, every day you were at boot camp, I just kept waiting for that call that you were coming home. And I was like, geez, thanks, Dad. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I was like, I mean, once you're there, it's like either you have it or you don't, you know. There's yeah, a lot you kind of kinda... – just get but in where was, you fit in, right? Yeah, yeah. It was never, it was never that. I mean, it sucks, but it wasn't. It was never that hard. Yeah. Um, but and that's the same thing with fighting. Is like, like it's a grind. Um, yeah. Cutting weight sucks, but it, I like to see. You know, I don't really care about losing. I mean, I like to win, obviously. Uh, but I'm, I'm not in it to make millions i just like to see how far i can push myself how good i can get you're more of a process guy than a results guy it seems like yeah more, yeah more focused sure. on the journey than the destination yeah and, and I, man i like to be uh i like to look back on on things you know when i'm i, I always told my dad this and everybody i tell everybody this one like when i look back on shit they're like you're not going to be able to walk by the time you're 50 and uh you know i broke i broke my neck broken my back i had a 13 hour intestinal reconstruction surgery i went septic yeah like i've broken 42 bones like i've been around man yeah bro 16 broken noses um i broke my orbital uh like all sorts of shit um and uh you know i'm missing a finger like i've you know Yeah, I've been through all sorts of shit, man. And uh, bro, but bro, don't you think that I'm sorry, I'm gonna pause you real quick. But like, don't you think that you better off like being that active than just? I feel like somebody like that will live longer than the person that sits on the couch all the whole life. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's where our society gets it wrong. Like, cause people told me the same thing. Like, why the fuck you get on that skateboard? Like, you ain't gonna make you no money. It's like, it's like, man, I just think it's life is about doing things like you know and just. Fucking, I ain't trying to be on the sideline watching everybody else have all this fun. You know what I mean? I, I I would just much rather. I agree with you on that front. That I'd just much rather. Hell, you know, if it, because I mean, we all got to be old one day, right? I might as well use it while yeah. I got it. Like, yeah, yeah, that's how I am, man. I want to look back and and be able to like tell all these stories, you know, and like you know, tell my grand my grandkids how some dude knocked me the fuck out, you know, yeah, in the second round of my world title fight. Like that's that's I just want stories. Uh, like, you know, I want to be able to tell my grandkids when I was, you know, I was sitting in the desert in Africa with, you know, with my homeboys, you know, putting 50 cal rounds down the range, you know, like, yeah. that's, I just, I don't see the point in just sitting around having my, you know, riding people like you could die on that motorcycle. You know, people, you know, see me ride my motorcycle fast or whatever, like you, you could die. You need to sell that motorcycle. Like, no, like if I die on my motorcycle, then I'm having fun. I, you know, like yeah. if I die in the ring and I was, I had a smile on my face, getting kicked in the face till I died. Yeah, mm. man. I, I, I feel that. I really do, bro. I really do. Like, it's kind of controversial, and not everybody kind of can relate. But I always felt the same way because, you know, I played football the vast majority of my life, and everybody always was telling me how dangerous that was and, all, you know, all these bad things that could happen. And I, I had the same exact attitude as you, brother. Like, Man, if I go out on a football field, I'm fucking lucky. Like that's where the fuck I want to go out. Like, yeah. And like, and like, I had a friend. I'm sure you knew him too. Um, R.I.P. Edong Umbong. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, he he died on his bike. And um, but I I swear to God, I always found some peace knowing like that fool was like Ricky Bobby. Man, he just likes to go fast, like legit. Yeah. Whether it was in a car, bike, that that was his shit. Was going fast, driving fast, pushing the limit. Like, 
and, and so I just I always found peace in that, knowing that like he went out the way that he wanted to go out. So I I feel you on that. I really do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I just I just lost my best friend in uh, in uh, uh, August twenty second. He got in a, in a motorcycle wreck and died. And, and uh, but you know, he always told us he was like he was like, man, I want to go out riding with my with my best friends with my brothers. I want to I don't want to feel it, and I want to be on two wheels. And, and he got you know, it was sad. It was it was unfortunate. He got hit by a drunk driver head on, but. Um, it's just part of it, I guess, you know. Yeah, man. Like, like I don't know, man. Like, these people that just spend their whole fucking life with their, with their nose in a book and, and in front of a screen. Like, I just I just feel like they're getting a different experience than the people that's actually, you know, getting their hands dirty, you know, just, just getting after it, just living life. I, I definitely, you know, respect your outlook on that for sure. And we'll yeah. take, a, take a quick second to, you know, shout out everybody viewing us live. Um. You know, the, the, the podcast is on a multiple, you know, different platforms, YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, all that. But there is something special about being part of the live show. So thanks for everybody that's just tuning in live um, for sure. Um, man, would you – I want to get your take on, like, the Oklahoma MMA scene. Like, would you say that it's necessarily a good scene, like compared to some other states? Um, you know, that's like where where do you see the status of you know the Oklahoma MMA scene, and just maybe the future of it, and just your thoughts on that? Man, uh, I think I think Oklahoma has slept on big time, big okay. big time. I think we got a lot of dudes that should be uh, that should get a lot more shine than they really do. I think we got a lot of dudes that. Uh, that should be in Bellator, be in the UFC. That aren't a lot of a lot of females that aren't that that should be. Um, you know, we just had you know Jimmy Flick just won his yeah yeah his uh, contender series. You know, he had the most submission attempts ever in contender series history. But wow. man, I've watched that dude for a long time. He is a savage, bro. He's a hard worker. He, I mean, he's he's a good dude. He's he's solid. He's he's everything that the UFC should want. Um, you know, yeah, man. I, I, I just I want to pause you real quick just because, like, obviously, I haven't experienced this on the MMA front, but I feel like that applies across the board, bro. Football talent, like, music talent, yes. fucking, I mean, business, like, just like Oklahoma for real has slipped on. Like, it's crazy because, you know, I've, um, you know, I've, I've been having my podcast for a minute now, and I talk about it to, you know, people out here in California and everything, and I talk about all the guests I've had and all the, the wide you know, range of talents that they possess. And, and they're, they, I get always asked that same question, like, where are you finding all these talented people? I'm like, man, all these motherfuckers from my hometown of 100,000 yeah, people. Like, like, all of them, bro. I've had authors, fighters, rappers, yeah. models. Like, like, and we all from fucking Norman, bro. Like, like all of us, man. Like, I got my talents. You got your talents. Like, George Kittle, fucking. Yeah. I mean, Trey I mean, Young. Trey Young, man. Like, yeah. and, and I feel like, it just, yeah, people have been, like, just their jaw drops when I tell them that, like, yeah, I know. All, they're like, how do you know all these people? I'm like, dog, like, we are from the same spot. Like, like, there's so much talent in Oklahoma, like, just across the board. And, like, and, and bro, I'll be real. Ask somebody who kind of, you know, bailed on Oklahoma, if you want to call it that. Like, it, 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 it is that balance between, like, God damn it, can I succeed here? 
And like, you know, do I want to like further the cause? Do I like somebody's got to be like the Oklahoma Jesus that just like risked their whole career for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, just, yeah. I just, I just, I don't know, man. Like, and then there's guys that have, right? Like the rapper JB. And I mean, he, he's achieved like pretty good success by a lot of people's standards, but I mean, he ain't have no platinum plaques or nothing. You know what I'm saying? And like, uh, you know, same thing like like the rapper Z. I'm big fan of the rapper Z. His whole movement, and I know he don't just be in Oklahoma, but it's just like there's something about Oklahoma. It almost feels like a glass ceiling, almost. Yeah, man. Uh, I think uh, you know, like you said, it's a struggle because we're, you know, California and Texas are obviously going to have more people come out of there. You know, there's bigger cities just because there's more people. There's and, yeah, and I mean, yeah. in California, as I'm sure you've seen, are just ridiculous. Um, you know, there's, there's just – when you've got places, uh, you know, like L.A. And, and, you know, those surrounding cities, you're going to have those just freak superstar athletes come out of there. Um, and, you know, same thing with Texas, like Houston and Dallas. There's just yeah. freaks that come out of there too and, and Florida. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I, I mean, I really think, like, fighting-wise, man, we've got, a, we've got a lot of savages in Oklahoma. Like, there's one standing – right here to my right right now you can't see her but uh, but uh you know she's she trains here at forza and she's a, a superstar man um she's an absolute superstar we've got in this gym i mean which i just like as you know i just started coming to this gym but uh we've got so many talented people in this gym bro like i'm getting beat up here by dudes that don't have fights uh, but have had zero fights like there's a kid in here I'm telling you, he's he's the next T.J. Dillashaw. Uh, I, like I, I would put every bit of my money on it. He'll be the next T.J. Dillashaw. Uh, we've got the number one heavyweight in the country, a- amateur heavyweight in the country at this gym. We've got Jimmy Flick. What's his name? Uh, Wyatt. What, what's, what's his last name? Wyatt. Uh, I'd have to look up his last name. No, it's all good. It's all good. My yeah, no, I, 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 I literally I started at this gym last week, so I don't know like everybody, no, but just you. seeing there like. I've, I've just been watching these cats on YouTube and like I training with them, dude. And, and even the gym that I, that I came from, uh, Trinity martial arts, there's a, there's a kid in, in there named Tater McSpadden and, and he's, a, he's a killer too. He just knocked out. Tater? Yeah. Yeah. His name's Tater. Yeah. Jesus uh, Christ. I'm, I'm already down dog. I need some Tater merch. Immediately. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's 19 years old. He just had kick KO to dude in the first round, uh, of one of the best kickboxing promotions in the country. And, uh, I mean, he's a killer. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, we're slept on, man. And what people fail to realize a lot of the time is, um, and where, we're, where I think Oklahoma is starting to catch up now is we were so predominantly a wrestling state. Yeah, um, yeah, so definitely. Long we had guys like Kyle Crutchmer that's in, in Bellator now. Okay, and, uh, okay. you know, a, a lot of those, I mean, obviously not everyone's a Division One national champion wrestler, yeah. but every we've got a lot of really really strong wrestlers. Hell yeah! But where we're catching up now is we've got these gyms like like Forza where I'm at now, like Trinity Martial Arts. We got these people that are bringing real Muay Thai, real kickboxing, real like real high level striking to Oklahoma now, and are established and starting to build. And the I think the man I think one of the differences in Oklahoma is. Um, as you know, it's especially in, in places that are smaller than like a Norman because of the university or whatever. It's a lot of blue collar people, it's yeah, a lot man. of hardworking people. It's a lot of people that just come into these gyms and just grind out every day. 
Bro, that, that, that's what I wanted to touch on. Because, like, bro, I, even, like, out here, bro, like, completely unrelated from fighting, but just little jobs I've had out here. I've been in the tech, you know, I'm in San Jose, the Silicon Valley tech industry, all that. I've worked at, like, a tech company. And it's, like, it's my Oklahoma work ethic legit sets me apart. Like, me slacking is harder than these California kids could work. Like, yeah. like I, I shit you not, bro, like. Like something about growing up in Oklahoma, man, there is an edge, there is a toughness, there is a determination that just separate sets us apart, bro. I stand by that, man. Like, like I've just met too many people, bro, especially being out here in the Bay Area. Like, I meet people my own age that are just fucking just just useless, bro. Just fucking just just they don't got that it factor, bro. And like, yeah, growing up in a place like Oklahoma with the odds stacked against you, man, like it just oh, it does something to you, man, for sure, for sure. Yeah, um, it's loud in here right now, so I'm trying yeah. to get to a quiet spot. No, it's um, all good. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, there's a this cat that just commented on this video, Jad. Uh, he's Shout out here too, and uh, man, he's a he's a killer too. Uh, he's, he just fought in Florida. Uh, he's got, I, I don't know his record, but he's got multiple wins by submission. Uh, you know, he's, he's a hundred, he's a 135 er uh, and I was sparring with him last night and he was giving me everything I wanted. Uh, wow. I mean, everything I wanted. It, it's just, there's so much talent here. And, and now we've got, you know, places like this gym Forza that are giving people that shine on a national level. Um, like Jimmy Flick, you know, he um, he had his uh, his shot, well, kind of sort of a shot on uh, The Ultimate Fighter. And uh, he was an alternate and he made weight, was there, just no one else missed weight. So he didn't get a, he didn't get a shot. Ah, came back, that, that's tough. Yeah. And, and he was having, you know, he was winning fights. He'd lose, you know, lose one, win a couple. He was just, you know, kind of in that funk. Well, he, he came here to Forza and he rattled off four straight and, now he's in the UFC. Um, yeah. You know, people don't realize, you know, he, he's he's such a high-level wrestler and such a high-level uh, jits guy that people don't realize that he's he's has pro Muay Thai fights. He has pro kickboxing fights. You know, he dominated his pro kickboxing fights. Wow. The dude is the real deal, man. And, and I think he's uh, – we've got – you know, the Raging Panda is, is from yeah. Oklahoma City, man. She's the, she's the real deal, too. Um I mean, Sarah Alpar, she, I mean, she just lost her first, her UFC debut, but she fought a killer, man. I mean, yeah, you put her against a lot of people in that division and she's tearing them up. Yeah. Uh, well, and, yeah. bro, I went in on the BP boys breakdown about the Alpar stoppage, bro. That was fucking fucked up. That Poor. Fucked up, dog. Yeah. But do, do you know Sarah Alpar? Have yeah. So, yeah. So I used to train at a gym there in Oklahoma City called uh, American Elite. And uh, um, uh, there's a couple – Raging Panda doesn't train there. Uh, I think she used to, but she doesn't anymore. Uh, but she's, she spars in there all the time and stuff. And uh, so that's another gym savages too, man. Um, like I trained there when I was living in Norman. And uh, for – well, it was right as I cut my finger off, so I didn't get a whole lot of time in there. But, uh, man, when I was in there, it's good people – they're killers. They train hard. Uh, they've got a lot of a lot of promising, promising guys coming out there. There's actually a dude. Uh, his name is Braden Smith, um, 
and I, he'll be in the UFC very, very soon. He uh, he just moved from Florida, and he's at an American top team now. Oh, and, shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's the real people. Uh, he's like 20, 22, 23. Uh, he's got 14. For, for those listening, that's so young for fighting. Like, fighting isn't necessarily a young man's sport. Like, football is a young man's sport. Like, yeah. fighting, like – you can be in your prime at 38. Like, it's weird. It's yes. a weird sport. It, which you wouldn't think it would be that way. Like, you think just your average person out there would think that fighting is a young man's sport. But it's just weird. It's weird how old people succeed in, in martial arts. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's experience. It's, it's Yeah, yeah. That's a huge deal. He's got – he's, like, 23. He's got 14 professional fights, man. Um, that's he's, wild. He's the real deal. The real deal. Um, I mean, like in yeah. football, by the time you're 32, you're like an old washed man. Like uh, in fighting, that's like you're kind of like you're just kind of getting into the thick of it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, like, actually, I wanted to ask you that, bro. Like, like, and I guess maybe Overeem is an example of this, but like, do you ever think because of the nature of the sport, do you think we'll ever see like a LeBron who dominates for two decades? Like, yes. and I said, I guess you can throw like an Overeem in there if you want, but like, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's just so physical. Like, do you think that's like possible to achieve like longevity? So, I think where we're at, where where we're getting to with a specifically MMA. Um, I mean, you've kind of seen that in boxing, where you know you've got Floyd that dominates forever, Pacquiao, those guys. Um, I think where we're getting to in MMA is it's still a relatively young sport, you know. Yeah. It, it really hasn't even been huge for 15 years. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. So I think we're just now get, starting to get to the generation of kids that grew up training yeah. MMA. There's yeah. another killer right here, Mike Jones. He's another savage. Uh, but uh, I think we're just now getting to that where, like, we see kids coming up not being just wrestlers, not yeah. just boxers, but MMA like they're fighters. MMA fighters, exactly, yeah. bro. Yeah, and, and so by the time they get eight, 17, 18 in terms, like Frank Mir's daughter. Um, I don't know. Yeah, if you yeah, no, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, she's 17, taking her first pro fight. In Mexico because she can't fight in America. Wow, that's wild, bro. Yeah, and, and so I think we're just just starting to see those guys. So I think it, in the I near future, so we're going to see that guy. I agree, bro. I agree. Like, I think we're going to have more John Joneses. And what I mean by that is John Jones's whole family was in the NFL. Like, he's, a, he's an elite world-class athlete. Yeah. Like, 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 I think maybe 20 years from now, we may have, like, those five-star Alabama football players. You know, like, like if we start seeing – like, imagine if, like, a five-star Alabama linebacker trade MMA since they were 15. You know, yeah, just, just physically, genetically. Like, I think we're going to start seeing more of those freaks in the sport. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going to go sit in my car for a second, see if I can't get no, some, some quiet over here. No, Actually, and I appreciate you, bro. And anybody listening on audio platforms that isn't seeing this, I'm interviewing an MMA fighter, and he's doing the podcast from his gym because he's a real motherfucker, and he's about what he says, and he's, a, he's about – and so I'm not mad at it, bro. If it was any other guest, I'd be like, this fucking guy can't even fucking get some quiet. But, bro, you exactly where the fuck you need to be, bro. So don't even worry about it, bro. I respect it. I, I respect it for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, but, yeah, yeah. Ahead, like you said, it's it's we're getting to that point to where I think in the very near future we're going to see. I don't know if you know this, cat, but there's a guy named Patty Pimblett. 
You know, you ever heard of Patty the Batty? No, no. Uh, man, look that cat up. His name is Patty the Batty. And uh, he, uh, I want to say he's from Ireland uh, or, no, 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 he's from, I think he's from Liverpool. Okay. Uh, and he was, you know, he's a kid that's come up being an MMA fighter. And uh, he just, uh, he just runs through everybody, man. Uh, literally just runs through everybody. Like he's unbelievable on the ground. He's unbelievable standing up. And he just he just kills everybody. It's crazy. Wow. That's just because he's he's just been a fighter his whole life. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There's this there's this shift happening right now where you can just feel MMA gaining steam. Like, you know, if you're a fifteen year old that's playing J V football and you're a good ass athlete, but you're not like good enough to start over the senior, like I could see you maybe heading to your local MMA gym instead and, and just kind of yeah, those people that, that are, like, singular-minded are, are definitely going to be suited for it. Um, I'm going to transition to a question here. W- would you say that fighting is more physical or more mental? Man, um, I, I think fighting is an odd sport, man. Um, you, can take, you can take people that aren't high-level athletes. Yes, and turn them into a great fighter. Yes. And you can also have an elite athlete that will never be a great fighter. Yes, seen both a million times. Yeah, and now yeah. When, you, when you get that John Jones that's both, or that Dominic Reyes, yes. that's when you, I mean, that's when you get into a freak. Yes, but, yes. But it's, I mean, obviously that's rare. Um, and we see it more with, like, high-level wrestlers, transitioning well because it's combat yeah. related um but we're still we still haven't seen and football players because it's aggressive yeah. we see a lot well, of good football players every time i swear to god every single time I, a football player is in the cage i can call it just because of the size of their pecs like i swear to god you can always tell a football player in the octagon by the size of their pecs i'm like if, like because fighters fighters like if all you do is fight you have that like nate diaz body you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you, yeah, you look like yeah, me. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But like, anytime I see a guy with like fucking man tits in there, I'm like, yeah, this guy played football for sure. Because yeah. fighters yeah. ain't bench pressing like that. Exactly. That's. I mean, that's like. I honestly think if you put Brock Lesnar in the in the heavyweight division right now, I think Brock Lesnar gets demolished. Uh, and, yeah, uh, and also Brock Lesnar does not pass USADA test <laughs> at all. No, no, no. Not <laughs> no, a no. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I, I think, I like everyone thinks that Brock Lesnar would, you know, kill John Jones because he's so much Hell bigger. No. Not a chance, man. Yeah, you only hear that coming from my fucking content at all. Hey, yeah. man, and, actually, so we t- we touched on it earlier, but it, it's my fault. I got fucking distracted, but. uh I want you to kind of go into a little bit more about weight cutting. How much more? How much weight do you cut to make 170? And how do you go about cutting it? And like, have you ever had any like close calls as far as doing it unhealthy? Just that's the main thing that the average Joe, including myself, will never understand ever, ever, ever is what it feels like to weight cut. Because like, bro, I've been punched in the face. Like, I know I'd have to, but I, I've never had to cut weight before. So, just, like, I want you to kind of take a deep dive on weight cutting. A, your opinion of it. Like, Joe Rogan thinks there needs to be more weight classes and less weight cutting. Um, or 
Or, you know what I'm saying? I just want to. I want you to take a dive into weight cutting. Your thoughts on it. Your 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 methods of it. How much weight do you cut? All of the above, brother. Man, uh, I, I I get actually a lot of my opinions based on on what Joe Rogan says because he has a lot oh, of really brilliant good ideas. On it. Uh, yeah. But I I completely agree with him. I think there should be a lot more weight classes. Yeah. Like the 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 jump between 55 and 70. It's huge. Yeah, and 70 and 85. 85? Yes. So I, I'm right in the middle. Of, like, I'm, I'm the perfect example of it. Like, 70 is a 30-plus 30, 30 pound weight cut for me. Um, it, you know, if, I'm, if I come not off the couch, but if I come off chilling, you know, for a little while, I'll easily be 203, 205 yeah, when I start a weight cut. Yeah, and then it's like, bam, four weeks, you got to lose 30, 35 pounds. And, yeah. And like, that's insane. If there was a – if there was a – 76 or you know 77 70, like yeah, 75 even 75 man yeah I, yeah I plateau so this this sound this is not a good way to do it at all but it's it's kind of the way that i've learned that it works for me um like i will hit a plateau i'll lose 15 pounds really fast um, just by cleaning up my diet going a lot less carbs running more i start running three miles a day um and then as I get like two, three weeks out, I start running five miles every other day. Um, oh. So it'll, it'll start coming off pretty quick, but at like right about 12 to 15 pounds out, I hit a plateau every time. And uh, yeah. I, I, it's when I can't, I can no longer diet. And so the bad thing that I do is I go and I pick a Saturday night where I don't have, or a Friday night where I don't have anything to do on Saturday. And I take a shitload of laxatives. <laughs> and uh, it's a really bad way, but it works. And so I take a bunch of laxatives. So you just like shit off ten pounds? No, it, it, it gets me just over that hump. Because uh, I'll put it, I, I you know, I drink water throughout the day. I still eat clean, but I'll still be eating during that day. But it's just like it's getting rid of. Uh, I mean, I mean, maybe I don't know the science behind it, but for me, I feel like it's getting just that like little bit of like bullshit left in my system yeah like clogged up yeah yeah cleans it gets me like clean and then i feel like once when i keep eating clean and i continue to clean up my diet more and more um i feel less like bogged down i don't feel as bloated um and, and so i'm pretty sure that's a really bad way to do it but that's kind of how <laughs> how i got uh, how have you ever had like a weight cut that like fucking you were working up like you were trying to work up until the fucking very last minute to get that last half pound off like have you ever had any super close calls yeah so like i said i used to fight before i uh went to the gym that i, I was at trinity um you know my, like i said my coach wanted me to fight heavy guys so it's kind of one night there's the muay thai classes are kind of are different from mma weight classes uh, so i was i was fighting at 195 then and wow um, and uh yeah i wasn't cutting any weight at all uh, like maybe like five ten pounds so, um, so what's your thoughts on that bro like how did you feel like how did you perform without cutting I mean, weight like like compare and contrast those i felt good uh you know i felt really really good uh but i um those guys were really big <laughs> they, yeah. they were a lot stronger than me um they hit a lot harder than me um, and I, I felt like I couldn't get space. Like, uh, at 70, I can keep someone at the end of my jab. I can keep someone at the end of my push kick or, you know, my kicks or whatever. At, at 95, they just walk right through it. Um, I could jab wow. someone a million times and they would just keep walking through my jab. 
Um, wow. At 70, it, you know, makes them be like, oh, damn, I didn't like that. Um, and, and so it, I like it a lot better. I think my weight cut is a little bit – like I said, I wish there was another weight class. Um, but 85 still is everyone's way stronger than me at 185 too. Uh, and so yeah, kind it's of, almost like you would have to have like a mutual agreement among everybody to stop weight cutting for that yeah. situation to ever work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you, a, and that's never going to happen because everybody wants to scratch and claw for every advantage they can get, which is understandable with the stakes that are at hand. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, I, like I'm not faulting guys that make big weight cuts. Like, like, I'm just wondering if there's, like, a scenario possible where it wouldn't be necessary. But, like I said, it would almost take this kind of gentleman's agreement among yeah. fighters, Man, which is I, never going to happen. I'm not even super – like, I think there should be a cap. I, like, the, the stuff that Cyborg did to her body was just absurd. Um, but, I like, I'm not so against weight cutting uh, like some people are. I mean, I see the need for it. I see the, the reason for it. Um, exactly, because if there wasn't a reason for it, nobody would do it. Like, there's, yeah. there's clearly, like, a payoff there. Yeah. Uh, and there is and, diminishing returns as well, but I feel like there's a there's a sweet spot there where if it didn't work, people wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I had I had one fight. 20, so, weigh-ins 24 hours out. Yes, I'm okay with um, the way the UFC does it. It doesn't bother me that much. Um, I, I get Joe Rogan's point about it, and I like the way that One FC is doing theirs with the hydration test and, and not cutting as much weight. Um, but I don't mind so much. Me personally, when I'm cutting weight, I don't mind the um, the 24 hour weigh ins. Um, then because then you can put it back on before the yeah, fight, right? That's I, theory, right? I go and I, I, I found out what works for my body as far as getting myself rehydrated um, and eating. You know, I'll eat throughout the night. I'll set my alarm and I'll wake up and I'll eat throughout the night. I'll wake wow. up and eat the hotel breakfast. Um, it's just all about knowing what your body needs, what your specific body needs. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, now the UFC is doing a really good job about having those um, – you know, performances and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and having stuff ready for those guys uh, and girls. But um, what I absolutely cannot stand, I absolutely hate it more than anything in the world, is promotions that have same day weigh-ins. I think it's I think it's ridiculous, man. When I yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. No, when I had my my uh, UKF title fight, I shit you not, I cut weight in the sauna. Weigh-ins were at supposed to be at like 12.30 or 1 o'clock for a 6 p.m. fight. Um, but my weight cut was actually pretty easy. Um, I, I was on weight, so I only cut like maybe five pounds in a sauna, which wasn't took me, you know, an hour, hour and a half. So it wasn't that bad. But still, I'm dehydrated. Bro, pause, because you say it's not that bad. But for your average Joe out there that goes to 24-hour fitness – and spends 10 minutes in the sauna, that's insane, dog. Like, like, bro, whenever I spend 10 minutes in the sauna, I feel like I have, like, big dick energy. I'm like, yeah, I'm mentally tough as fuck. I lasted 10 instead of five. Like, bro, you be spending an hour in the motherfucking sauna, well, bro? So I'll, I'll spend, like, I'll do, like, usually 10 minutes in the sauna, and then I'll get out. I'll, you know, be wearing a sauna suit or, uh, you know, whatever, um, yeah, yeah. trash bag, whatever it is. 
and uh, I'll get out and I'll, it's, it's really less about sitting in the sauna and it's about keeping your heart rate up. Um, After you leave the sauna. So, so you keep that sweating. Makes so that I'll makes a lot of sense. Short periods of time and when I can feel myself start, like, start to stop sweating as hard, I'll go sit in there for a short period of time, get my sweat back up. And then I'll, I'll ride the bike or I'll do jumping jacks or I'll shadow box or whatever to keep your heart rate up. Um, not like super strenuous, but just to where you keep sweating. Yes, exactly. And, and then, but man, hey, I went bro, out to this fight. Hey, do bro, I, um, just keep talking about weight cutting. Like, just keep keep up, like, get into the nitty-gritty details of weight cutting. I'm going to be back in, like, two seconds. I'm not going to lie. I got to piss. All right. All right. Just talk weight cutting. I'll be right back. All right. I got you. So, uh, I had the, I had a weight cut where um, I went and the weigh-ins were supposed to be at, like, noon or 12.30, 1 o'clock, something like that. And uh, I went and. I showed up, and, and uh, first thing, it was an outside event. It was for a UKF world title fight. It was a small town in Oklahoma. Um, and I had just fought this dude six weeks before, uh, and then I had spent the entire week before fight week in the hospital. So I was cutting weight in the hospital, trying to run on the treadmill, trying to lose weight, trying to die of a shitty-ass hospital food. It was miserable. Uh, but uh, I was on, you know, pretty good on weight, but I was dehydrated. I was still hungry. I was still pissed off. Uh, and I went and I was trying, all I was trying to do was sit in the locker room until it was time to weigh in. So I show up at like 11 o'clock for a 6 p.m. fight. Um, and, uh, and, uh, so I, sh I was telling I was showing I showed up for this fight at like 11 o'clock to, uh, to weigh in. And, uh, and these are same day weigh-ins, correct? Yeah, this is same day weigh-in. And, uh, yeah. fight was at like six o'clock. I show up at 11, pissed off, you know, not feeling great. Yeah, I can't imagine yeah. how you feel, bro. Like, real talk. Like, yeah, and, like and it was nobody happy. listening or watching can possibly fathom how it feels for these motherfuckers five minutes before weighing. Like, yeah. I just want to get that out of the way before fucking casuals and guys eating Carl's Jr. start talking about guys missing weight because I just – nobody can relate. But Yeah, continue. yeah. So we're sitting there, and uh, it's an outside event in uh, late August, and uh, – so I, I show up at 11 o'clock. It's like 97 degrees outside, bro. Um, it might it might have been September. I don't remember. It was either late August or early September. In Oklahoma, yeah. it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. And uh, so I show up, and the first thing I said, bro, is in this little town. It was in Dewey, Oklahoma. And uh, it, it was at their, um, their Western Heritage Festival. Um, I was having a world title fight at their Western Heritage, Heritage Festival in Main Street, Dewey. Um, that's funny, bro. That's, yeah. that's wild. I, I imagine yes. there wasn't any spelling bees going on. No, no. <laughs> I, I, uh, I showed up, um, and uh, I was like, hey, man, uh, where's the dressing room at? And I, I can't make this shit up, bro. He points at a horse trailer and was like, oh, you can use that if you want. And I was like, so there's nowhere I can sit inside until weigh-ins? And he was like, no. He was like, you can sit in that horse wow. trailer. Like, bro, it's like 120 degrees in that fucking horse trailer. Like, I'm not sitting in there. So I literally just found a shady spot on the side of a building and posted up outside. So I was supposed to be there for like an hour, maybe. And, and I had like my gallon of water and stuff that I mix in it and everything. And I had some food ready to eat. So he comes up to me and he was like, he was like, this was a Friday, a Friday fight. And he was like, um, so the athletic commission 
thought that the fight was tomorrow and the weigh-ins were tonight at 6 p.m. And I was like, so what does that mean? And he was like, so that means weigh-ins are going to get pushed back till they, uh, till <laughs> yeah, till the athletic commission gets here. And I was like, so it's always that? the athletic commission's fucking up some shit, bro. Even bro. at the highest level, even yes. at the highest level, it's always the athletic commission's fucking yes. just fucking suck. They spend too much time fucking sucking digs, bro. Yeah, bro. I was the main event, and uh, I showed up. Or the, the athletic commission showed up at like four o'clock. I waited at like four thirty for a six p.m. fight. Yeah, I was like, I I know shit. Like, I, I mean, started- I guess. I guess the only kind of saving grace is that your opponent had to do the same thing, right? He doesn't cut weight. He he walks around at like 175 and fights at 170. Oh God, dude! Yeah, so it definitely and hits like a you. yeah, hits like a fucking truck, bro. Oh, and, uh, fuck, bro! My bad. He's just he's just like super lean, long black dude that just God, he hits so hard, and uh, Jesus. and uh, I mean he knocks everybody out, everybody. And uh, he's not like a super super technical fighter, but god damn, he hits hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Certain guys get enough. away with that. Yeah, he's technical enough to whoop your ass. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, but yeah, so I weighed in at like fucking four thirty five o'clock for the six p.m. fight. I like had my wife, girlfriend at the time, now wife. I had her like give me like a package of beef jerky and some fruit. And I like took a couple sips of a Mountain Dew to like get some sugar in my body. And like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And uh, I got, so, not, so did, I mean, did you fight like shit? Like as a result, man, I'm not saying that I got knocked out because of that, but I definitely didn't eat as punches. Like I did the first time we fought on a 24 hour. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I feel you because from a fighter's perspective, you're never going to make the excuse. But at a certain threshold, there's like physiological consequences. Like, yeah, it it did it yeah. definitely didn't help. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, yeah I mean, definitely. the weight cut had nothing to do with him breaking my nose in half, but uh, <laughs> but it. it but didn't I mean, help. maybe it did though. Like, maybe that shit affects reaction time. Maybe that. I mean, I mean, I mean the science isn't really there on like. Yeah, how a bad weight cut affects performance. I mean, because I mean, we, I've seen it a million times in the UFC where, you know, a guy misses weight and you think he's going to have the advantage, but in reality, it's just a shitty weight cut and he looks like shit and he ends up getting starched by the smaller man. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely, definitely did, does not help anything. I mean, the when you start cutting weight, um, like one of the first things when you start to get really, really dehydrated one of the first and like sitting in the sauna and shit one of the first things that leaves is the fluid between your skull and your brain and yeah all that shit goes away and so when oh, you just feel stupid as fuck well no it's it's like it's like protects your brain from bouncing around your skull oh 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 so that affects your chin yeah so when there's none of that there you're oh. just your brain's just smashing up against your oh. skull man yeah and, uh, yeah so you, you like you physically can't eat punches like you normally can, um, and and that's when it gets into the science of putting the weight back on is doing the right things to get your you know like just the pounding water through. yeah just pounding water is not not good for you um, it's it's a science and uh, and it's different for everybody so oh my goodness bro yeah, yeah that's why I just. And, I, and it sucks because, like, only the high-end UFC fighters have access to, like, the real safe way to weight cut. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah, there's exactly, no, exactly. there's like for a guy like you, there, there's no fucking professionals to really consult. It's just get the weight off. You know what I mean? That's what's, yeah. that's what's crazy. Like, yeah. uh, and Rogan has talked about this and other people have too, about how like a lot of fighters actually go about it the wrong way. Because if you put your body in a starvation mode, then it clings on to everything. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? And, yep. and, and I, I've recently learned about that, like how that was kind of a misconception, like an old school misconception. To, like, like you're better off eating a little bit. You'll actually lose more weight if you eat because yeah, your body is not yeah, trying to. frequently, yeah. Yeah, smaller portions frequently, yeah. All right, man. So uh, I'm going to kind of transition here. Um, outside of the UFC – is LFA the best promotion or is it still Bellator? Or like outside of the UFC, what promotion are people sleeping on? Man, uh, there's a couple good ones, man. Um, for a while, it was King of the Cage. You know, that's where Rouse, Ronda Rousey came from, where, uh, okay. you know, Uriah Faber, all those guys. Yeah. Uh, and they've still got some talent there. Um, not not like they used to. Um, man. I just keep hearing LFA as a feed, as a feeder to the UFC. Um, I mean, I know a lot of women come out of Invicta, but that's women's only, so the, right. that makes sense. Uh, but but yeah, is it, is it pretty much LFA and Bellator competing for Seth for a second fiddle, or is there anybody else that needs to throw their hat, name in the hat? Man, there's a lot of um, like this XFN show that we have here in uh, in Tulsa. It's a uh, it's kickboxing and, and MMA. Uh, that's where Crutchmer came from. That's where a lot of these local, um, you know, guys from Oklahoma and their surrounding states come out of. Um, and it's a really really great show. Um, Dale Apollo Cook puts it on. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he's a you know world champion kickboxer from back in the day. Um, really really takes care of his fighters. I mean, it's a good promotion. Uh, and he puts a lot yeah, of. Yeah, man. Actually, I, I I so I'm just gonna say this and kind of. Out of the way, I when I was in Oklahoma, man, I had a I had a close friend. I'm not going to say names here. I'm really not going to say names here because I'm not a snitch. But I had a close friend of mine, close close friend, inner circle friend, who was a was a was an uh, a pro coming upcoming MMA fighter, and uh, that's why I, I'll be real. He uh, he 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 taught me a lot and he got me into this world, and, and for that I guess I am thankful. But he also stole $4,000 from me and fucked that guy. And they said, I ain't going to say no names because I ain't no snitch. But if I ever see you, that's going to be the only MMA fighter I ever try. I'll try my luck. I'll try my luck. I'll hope my fucking 50 pounds gives me the advantage. If he whoops me, he whoops me. But you're going to have to see me one day. But anyway, uh, <laughs> like what I'm getting at is he fought on XFN one time. And I was able actually to watch that on TV out here in Cali. So, yeah. like, like I kind of said all that to say, like, yeah, XFN is definitely on the upcoming. Like, they have a national audience. I was like, I said, I was able to watch my homie fight, former homie fight, on XFN out here in Cali. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought actually, them up. XFN is the longest running show in the country. Um, wow. Yeah, they, wow. I mean, they've been around, bro. Been around, and uh, and and it's good. Like they just had the. 
eight-man, uh, 155-pound eight-man kickboxing tournament. Those are always fun because you got to win three, three pro fights in a night. So win. that's still going on. That type of old school shit yeah, still going on. Yeah, my, my buddy Alfred Freight Train Walker, he's a savage. He's like 30, 34 and two or three now. Um, he, he just won it for the second time um, this last Friday. So, yeah, it, it's good stuff, man. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of want you to give your opinion on, like, the whole multiple fights in a short period of time versus, like, UFC where you fight every four months like man what are some pros and cons I I mean I think the the cons are definitely it's tough on your body yeah, uh, yeah. I mean those dudes are pretty beat up by the end of three fights um, but I mean if you've got that fighters mentality then it's fun you know that's that's the more fights I want to like I I was always told and it's true in um in muay thai they don't like if you go anywhere but america and you ask a fighter what's your record they take offense to it you just ask how many fights do you have like in, oh. muay, thai, in, in muay thai you don't say what like how many how many how many fights have you won what do you they do respect like, the they respect the loser because it's so badass it's so much different like there's a guy named uh bull cow benchmark and uh, he's one of the, like, all-time greats. And then there's a guy named Senchai. Um, and they've got, like, 300, 350 fights. Um, and, That's yeah, every so week, heavy. every week since they're, like, 12 years old, they've been fighting pro fights. And um, Every week? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking all the time. And now they've slowed oh down a little gosh. bit. They're, like, in, in the Muay Thai world, they're, like, legends. So they, they slow down a little bit. But on yeah, the way up, yeah, bro, yeah. it's – that's – and, like, in places like Thailand – it's so poor. You like either go to the rice fields, you go to college or you're a Muay Thai fighter. And these people like hold pads for tourists, like hold pads to make money. They live in the gym. Like parents will send their kids to these gyms at 12 years old. And that's their job from the time they're 12 years old. They're fighting. I mean, bro, like that sounds extreme until you think about like how serious youth football in America's got. Yeah. Yeah. The Snoop League. Like, yeah. Right, yeah. No different, bro. Right? Like there's it's, TV it's, shows. It's like, really not. Like, I, I, I know somebody right now who they have a son. It's my homeboy's older sister. And her sons are like elite. But like they're like in fourth grade, but they're like elite fourth graders. Like, like yeah. they travel and, and it's fucking crazy. So it's like us as America, we kind of like to like snub our nose up at like the Muay Thai, Thailand, oh, that's so barbaric, but it's like, dog, I mean, I mean, I know myself, I was playing tackle football at seven years old in full pro, yeah. bro, and yeah. I know it's not like that out here in Cali, but, like, in a lot of places, it is, and it's just, it ain't that different, like, like I don't know, like, it's really we not. try to, like, to, like, separate ourselves and make ourselves seem more enlightened and elite, and, yeah. bro, Man, sending a fucking, you know what I'm saying, 15-year-old to a Muay Thai fight and seven to eight-year-old into a championship football game against the best team from Florida or whatever, like, it ain't that fucking different. It's really not. It's really not. And, and, it's not and I would venture a guess that that 12-year-old Thai kids have a lot more skill in their sport than than our 12-year-old football players with their tackling form and whatnot. Yeah, bro, like, mean, like, bro. Like, like, no, for real, man. Like, and, and it's so awkward at those young ages because 
I mean, I don't, I'm sure you remembered it, bro. Like, there's always like that one kid who hits puberty at like 11. Yeah, and he's like goddamn. He's out there looking yeah. like Patrick Willis, fucking yeah. against a bunch of kids whose nuts haven't dropped yet. Like, yeah, it's over. Like, like those age of sports is weird, dog. It's definitely not like as the same as two grown men competing against each yeah. other for sure. Like, like Taylor Weed being a six foot four <laughs> trainer, bro. That man, <laughs> that boy's scary. I love that. Man, man. Shout out to Tweety. <laughs> shout out to Tweeter, man. I, I love that guy. dude. Shout out to the big boy, real, man. This is for you. <laughs> I never, I never took one, one snap of organized football in my whole life, bro. And uh, dudes like Taylor Weeder are a big part of that. <laughs> no, uh, dude, Taylor, Taylor was fucking good, bro. I remember. I know. I remember, was he in your grade? Yeah, was yeah. He was younger. He was in my grade. Yeah, I mean, I remember, bro, like, I was a junior, he was a sophomore, and, like, he didn't quite have the mental part of the game down, but just physically he would, like, light fools up and, like, make highlight God. plays, but it's, like, he wasn't quite understanding the game to be, like, a varsity-level player, but yeah. just the physical nature of him was obvious. It jumped off the screen, yeah. you know what I mean? Bro, you know, it's, it's so crazy to me, like, there's a which I'm not talking about Taylor. I'm not saying I beat Taylor up. That's not what I'm saying here. But, uh, but it's crazy. Like there's these dudes from like high school where like I looked at them, especially like as like a freshman and sophomore or whatever. You know, little baby me, a little 130 pound me. You know, I looked at those guys and like, oh my god, they're so big. I'll whoop all of them motherfuckers now. Every single one of them. I'll whoop all. Yeah. Of them yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> technique is everything, bro. For real. For real. Yeah. Like, uh, like, like, no, I mean, I mean, I learned it the hard way, dog. Like, I've got my ass whipped in a street fight before. Shout out Matt Connery, you know what I'm saying? Like, Man, that's another big motherfucker, bro. Yeah, big motherfucker, bro. <laughs> like, that's why, bro, I swear to God, I don't got no shame in my game. Like, yeah. bro, I was 13. He was like 15. He had like 40 pounds and like eight inches <laughs> on me. I was, I was, I was honestly stupid for talking shit to that motherfucker. Yeah, but that was just, crazy, too. No, he's a bad motherfucker. That's what I'm saying. I give him all his props. That's that's my biggest L I've ever took in. And and that fool ain't no bitch. He ain't no bitch. If you <laughs> if you want to go fight somebody, maybe choose somebody else. I'll give him that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, for real. I just um, yeah, no, definitely, man. Um, so I kind of want to transition to something a little more serious here. And I know we have kind of like for those that don't know. Me and Jay used to be very, very far apart racially and politically, but through yeah. intellectual discourse and conversation and not writing anybody off and not any of this 2020-ass culture of you against me, an actual understanding and conversation happened of not just me and Jay, but multiple, you know, members of, of the Black community and Jay and, and and we just came to an understanding, and, and now Jay is is essentially loved by the black community by uh, of Oklahoma, and and I just kind of wanted to talk about something serious for a second. And one of my big theories here, and I've talked about it on podcasts about racial issues, is that I strongly, strongly believe, bro, that if more cops had jujitsu training or like legitimately insert martial art a here like it doesn't matter what martial art they choose but i i strongly i i really believe and part of my when people ask me like oh dom you have all these radical opinions 
How would you fix bullies brutality? Like I and once again, borrow an idea from Joe Rogan here. Like I strongly believe that if more police officers were proficient in martial arts, that it would potentially lead to a decrease in police brutality. And like I said, I know it's kind of a little bit of veer off left from our conversation we've been happening, but as somebody who's trained martial arts and lives their life surrounded by people that's trained martial arts, like, do you think that would be a help, a detriment? Like, what's your thoughts on that? Like, I really think more police officers should train martial arts. Man, I'm, uh, I'm going to answer this question very carefully uh, because of... And I know it's a hard position to put you in, for real. No, no, and, and, and you and I have talked about my, my true feelings. I make that very known. But uh, I'm, I'm, because of who I involve myself with, I'm, I'm going to make yeah. sure that I answer this question in a very... In the right way. I feel you, bro. It's 2020, bro. I feel um, you. I feel you, bro. Mate. But just for those listening, for those watching, Jay's one of the good guys. Like, for real, Jay understands... He's had the difficult conversations with the realest of motherfuckers. And, and Jay, the, the black community has your back here, bro. But, but yeah, go ahead. I, I think, I think in, in general, um, whether it be martial arts, whether it be uh, firearms training, or whether it be when and when not to pull what weapon, I think there's a general lack of training in general of, of, yeah or the, there's just it's non-existent um i think if you put like i come from the infantry in the marine corps um that the time that we put in to be able to even the time you put in to even be able to call yourself a marine um yes. is 13 weeks of absolute hell uh um, yes and uh and then that's that's doesn't mean you're anything that means you're a marine that means you are a basically trained marine uh, and so you go from that to whatever, uh, if you're infantry, you go to ITB infantry training battalion or SOI, the school of infantry. And, uh, if you're, um, if you're not, then you just go to a, a shorter, you go to four weeks of ba basic infantry, uh, skills, and then you go on to your specific MOS school. Uh, but for infantry yeah. guys, it's, uh, it's four weeks of, of, of your general infantryman skills. And then it's another four weeks of your specific infantry uh, MOS. And that's still just a basic, basic, basic knowledge that you get, that you need to know your job to know how to, you know, I mean, it's just so much training. And I think it's important to know, bro. One of my biggest problems is that our troops overseas actually fighting evil and terrorism and like really looking the devil in the face have stricter rules of engagement than our police officers who are getting paid by our tax dollars have with fucking unarmed black teenagers. Yeah, yeah. And because like, I, I, I've talked to multiple friends who have served overseas, like, unless there's an AK in their hand, you can't do shit. And yeah. it, uh, unless that AK is pointing at you, you still can't do shit. Like, you can see somebody with an AK, they throw the AK, and you can't shoot them. Like, I've, yeah. I've talked to people that yeah. are deployed. And, and we, I, I, I think that we all have, whether it be based on race or whether it be based on where somebody's from, we all have, unfortunately, like a sense of, of um, um, I, I, not bias, but uh, of, like, prejudice, I guess, 
to where if I You're see like unconscious bias. Yeah, if I, if I see a person that looks a certain that fits that that profile of even if it is subconscious, then I'm going to be a little extra careful around that person. And I think unfortunately, uh, a lot of times that that does come down on the hey, not bro, sometimes, hey, but a lot of times it does come down on the black community. All right, and we're going deep today on episode 19 of Dreadful Talk. It's been so much fun and. Thank you for to everybody still watching, still listening. Um, we're going deep, and, and you know some people like that, some people don't. But man, I wasn't ready to wrap it up with essentially what I'm going to go ahead and say is the best guest to ever be on Dreadful Talk, Jay Finley. This has been phenomenal. I'm thoroughly enjoying it, and we'll get him, we'll get him to join up with us again shortly. But man, this fucking guy, right, man? I mean, his story, his, I mean, his. His breakdown of the sport, I mean, his own personal journey, I mean, Jesus Christ, I mean, just the amount of adversity this guy's overcome, like, sorry this isn't E60 or 30 for 30, but goddamn, it might as well be, because Jay Finley, man, here's to you and your story, brother. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll get here, we'll get him to join up here shortly, I'm sure he's, you know, preparing or whatever, but, um. But yeah, so far, I mean, he, he, he's, he's described in just brutal detail the, how difficult it is to weight cut, um, how the, the intricacies of Muay Thai and Lethway, which I'll be completely honest, I didn't even know Lethway was a real thing until he told me about it, and it sounds fucking badass. Um, former Marine, um, you know, we got into his military career a little bit and um let's get him back on here man my guy going deep with me bro i really really appreciate your time um, you hear me? Everything's good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. All right, for sure, man. But yeah, we kind of had to finish, rush up our last little topic. I kind of want to hop back into it. Like, we were kind of discussing whether or not, you know, training martial arts, what you think would help br police brutality and help for more effective policing. And, and do you personally believe, I know it's kind of a landmine question to navigate, but do you personally believe that, like, you know, your average police officer could, could benefit, you know, from some martial arts training and it would kind of increase discipline and lead to less lethal results when interacting with, you know, members of color in the community. Yeah, man, like, uh, like I was saying, uh, I think that everyone has at least some, uh, some unconscious, um, you know, Bias. prejudice or, or um, uh, like profiling. I mean, Yes, uh, yes. Obviously, me and you don't look the same. You know, if I walk, if I walk into some, uh, you know, if I'm walking down the streets of Tulsa in a cowboy hat and you know boots and jeans, and you got long ass dreads, unfortunately, the people are going to look at us different. Totally. Um, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying it should be that way. I'm not saying yes, that's right. I'm just saying but that's, that's the, the fact of the matter. Yes, sir. And uh, I think I think a, a big problem is that people have never. Um, They've never been in some of the situations that, um, you know, uh, that 
black folks have been in. Uh, they've never been around um, the streets, I guess, is what they think it is. You know, um, if you've never been in the hood, you've never experienced how just because someone is in a certain position or comes from a certain place, uh, you know, how awesome those people are and how loving and caring, like, um, you know, some of the scariest looking dudes I know are the best men I've ever met in my whole life. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I know that they've got my back. I know. Um, and, and unfortunately, a lot of our, uh, a lot of other people um, will look at someone and automatically assume what they are. And I think a lot of the times when that lack of training comes in, um, irrational decisions get made based on, uh, on emotion. Uh, yeah, man. So That's real. I think, I think that martial arts training benefits everybody. Um, yes. I think it's, it's not just one specific group of people that it would, that it would benefit. Um, I think it. I think it's great for women. I think it's great yeah. for kids that are getting bullied. Uh, I think it's great for adults that get bullied, adults that have depression, anxiety, yeah, self-confidence Preach, issues. Brother. I think it's great for everybody. Um, yes, but yeah, sir. I think it, I think it would also help. Um, uh, I think it would help cops not kneeling on people's neck for nine minutes. Yeah, uh, I think if you have confidence that you can uh, that you can do something uh, without killing somebody. Um, you know, we see different outcomes on things. Bro, uh, so so the heavyweight that just made a big fucking, I think he went performance of the night in the last UFC card, um, Dawkins. I forget his name, but his name is Chris Dawkins. He's a um, he's a Philadelphia police officer, and he's a heavyweight fucking killer in the UFC. Yeah. Like, how often do you think that fool reaches for his gun, or exactly. is he is he confident that he can fucking handle whatever comes his way? And I'm right. not saying every fucking cop that trains is going to become a heavyweight killer, but I'm just saying I think Chris Dawkins is a, is a great example of, you know, how martial arts and policing can kind of just form the perfect kind of bond and, and lead to correct and, and, and effective policing for sure. Right. Like, like, I'm not one of these guys that's, like, defund the police, but I, I'm also not one of these guys that's, like, a bootlicker that, like, you know, the police can do no wrong. Like, clearly, right. clearly something's got to give, right? Like, like clearly this isn't be an effective method to, you know, police people of all colors. Um, for sure. Um, let me ask you this. Um, so we talked on it briefly. You, you did a little camera flash of it. Um, has your finger injury, like, impacted your fighting at all? Man, uh, I'm going to get over here where it's quiet again. Um, man, uh, I, uh, so I'll tell you the whole story on how what happened. So uh, Yeah, please I, do, please do. So I'm at, I'm at work. I'm, uh, I'm working at a uh, – can you still hear me? They're being loud. Uh, no, no, you're fine, bro. You're fine. I'm at a uh, – sitting at work. And uh, I'm at working on this ranch in this ranch in, uh, in Norman, and I get my finger caught in the the belt of a horse walker, right? Which is basically this big belt power thing that the horses just walk on. Um, so I'm sitting there and I'm uh, I stick my finger in it and it gets lopped off and it's like sticking sideways, bro. It, it like looked I don't know, it was like that kind of just like not straight, and it was like sideways. And I'm sorry for everybody listening on an audio platform, but 
my god, my guest here, my guy Jay, he's fucking missing about a third. Which finger is it, bro? It's my right index finger, man. It's yeah, it is his fucking main pointer. It's fucking it, it, it. Yeah, so this is definitely. I highly recommend you check us out on YouTube for this episode because you won't want to miss that. It is intense, <laughs> but uh, if you are listening on audio. He is missing about a third of his finger, folks, but uh, continue. So uh, I lop it off. I go to the hospital. They sew it back on. and uh, Lop they, it off. That's yeah, so chill, on bro. <laughs> bro I, so I get, in the, I get in the work van, and my boss is, like, taking me to the hospital, and he's, like, freaking out, man, and I'm just sitting there, like, just, just chilling. Yeah, because you can't freak out. You can't. I've been there. I'm not quite that bad, but I've been somewhat close and, like, you can't freak out or else everything falls to shit. Yeah, yeah. And so he's he's losing his shit, man. And I'm I'm sitting there and I was like, man, I was like, it's okay, relax. And he was like, what do you mean relax? And I was like, I've had worse, bro. Like, it's, <laughs> it'll, it'll be okay. And um, what a badass. And he was like, he was like, well, I don't know how you possibly had worse than this. And I was like, I mean, it's just a finger, man. So I get to the hospital and they sew like loosely sew it back on and send me to the orthopedic surgeon the next day. And uh, uh, I, I shit you not, this is our exact conversation, like word for word. He, he was like, well, based on how it looks right now, we're pretty sure that we can save it. And I said, uh, I said, okay, cool. Uh, how long is that recovery? And he said, uh, well, it'll, it'll be about a year to a year and a half at least before you get full motion in it. And I said, okay. And how long will it be if you just cut that motherfucker off? And he was like, uh, it'd probably take like five, six months. Why? And I was like, oh! and he was like, he was like, what? And I was like, man, I got to oh stick my hand in a boxing room, bro. Cut it off. And he was like, you're, you're kidding, right? And I was like, no, man, I got to go back to work and I got to stick my hand in a boxing glove. I don't have it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, uh, what a hard dick. And so he was like, he was like, well, we're going to give you the option right up until this, like we'll, we'll schedule your surgery, but we'll leave the option just in case you get there and uh, you decide that you want to keep it. And I was like, you don't have to do that. I, I want it to come off. And so uh, oh my God, I was, folks. I was at work the next day. For those, for those listening, for those watching, in case you didn't fully grasp that, my man could have kept his finger, but he loved fighting so goddamn much that it wasn't, uh, the, the extra time off wasn't worth it. Man, salute, so man, <laughs> fucking, I don't know. I just wanted to hammer that point home. Continue, please. Um, so we get all the way up to my to my surgery, man, and they were like, uh, they like wheel me in, like right before they gave me, like they didn't put me all the way to sleep. But uh, they, they didn't get, put you on. No, I, I was awake for it. They just put like a. Oh on my god! Yeah. Your insurance must suck as much as mine does. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, they were like, "Are you sure you want to do this?" And I was like, "Yes." Like, yeah, I'm positive. And they were like, "All right." So I'm sitting there in the surgery, and they've got like my little block on my shoulder, so I can't. They got mad at me because I was flopping my arm because I thought it was funny. So I was sitting there, like, literally, like, just flopping my arm like that on the table. And they were like, uh, yeah, stop doing that. And I was like, oh, shit, my bad. And uh, so they had this, like, sheet over my arm. And I'm hearing it. And uh, the, you're uh, awake and while they chop off the tip of your finger. Yeah. And the answer is, and I can hear this, like, little, like, sounds like fingernail clippers. 
And I was like, holy shit, is that my bone? And the, uh, the surgeon goes, uh, yes. And I look over at the anesthesiologist and I was like, holy shit, that's funny. And uh, I see him like loading up a syringe. And I was like, uh, is that some of the good stuff? And he was like, uh, it's some more of the good stuff. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. And then he gave it to me and then I was pretty much done. But, but yeah, that, it, was, it was a wild experience, man. Bro, like I won't even try to compare like war stories here, but uh, I had such shitty insurance or lack thereof that when I got my wisdom teeth pulled, I had kind of a similar experience. Like, uh, you know, everybody's wisdom teeth gets pulled. It sucks. But mine sucked at extra level because I waited too long. And, like, it got impacted. And, um, and, and the goddamn, the doctor, he was pulling, or the dentist, he was pulling it. And, and, he get, and I'm, like, coming off the table. And he's like, he's like, man, he's like, you want to know the worst part? I was like, I was like, what the fuck can be worse than this? He's like, man, we got to pull the next two, too. Because <laughs> it fucked up the one next to it. Because you waited too long. And I was like, fuck, dog, let me have it, bro. I felt like a goddamn Civil War, like, amputee, dog. Like, I felt everything, man. Yeah. I wasn't asleep. So, I mean, it sounds like you didn't feel too much, but you were definitely mentally aware of what was going on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was fully aware. And, and so, how was it healed up, and how has it affected your fighting? Man, it, uh, it, it now it really doesn't bother me. Um, I mean, it's hard to write, and I, like, drop some shit sometimes. Just I don't have a lot of grip strength. But as far as making a fist, I mean, I can make a full fist. It, I can squeeze a glove. It really doesn't doesn't affect me. That's dope, man. I was yeah. so worried for you, bro. Like, I was yeah. like, man, cause I, just because, like, bro, like you said, you ain't out to be a millionaire. It's just you love this shit, bro. I'm like, yeah. Whenever I saw you hit your finger, man, I was, like, legit fucking worried for you, bro. Just because, like, man, like, like a lot of people go through life without ever finding that thing that's, like, this is me. This is this is what I do. A lot of people, I know it sounds hard for guys like you and me to understand that, but, like, a lot of people make it through their whole life and they never find out what they're good at. Yeah. And, like, uh. And for, I was just, man, whenever you fucking were posting on Facebook and shit that you had chopped off your goddamn finger, bro, I just was, I was wishing, I mean, I'm not really much of a praying man, but goddamn it, man, I was, I was hoping that didn't fuck up your shit because, yeah. like I said, man, it's just like, most people go their whole life without fucking finding that thing, you know what I yeah. mean, and you found it, bro, and like, yeah. Ain't nothing more tragic than somebody finding something they're good at and then, you know, having it snatched away, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I definitely came out on the fortunate side of that one. Um, I got I got lucky. It wasn't worse than it was. Um, I mean, it's uh, uh but it, in all honesty, man, it um, uh, it really wasn't that bad. It um. Uh, I had I took two days off work. Um, what a fucking badass dog! Like I'm sorry, dog. Call me a pussy if you want to, dog. I'm taking more than two days. Yeah, it. it, it um, I took I took, and I didn't even. I was at work the next day after I actually cut it off. Um, I I took two days off work. Um, after the surgery because it felt like someone had a lighter to it, man. Um, and uh, 
this shit was fucked up too. All right, so they cut my fucking finger off and like loosely. I look like you know when you fucking microwave a hot dog and it like explodes at the end. That's what my fucking <laughs> finger looked like, bro. Jesus. And uh, yeah, it was nasty as shit. And uh, so they gave me like they lowered my like milligrams of pain medication and they told me to take it less often after my surgery like after they just chopped my fucking bone and uh so i ended up in the uh in the er that night and my whole body was just shaking and i like texted my boss and i was like i gotta take i gotta take tomorrow off work man like there's no way and he was like that's that's fine and so uh but the doctor in there was this like new female doctor and i'm not talking shit on females i'm just saying she was a female doctor yeah and she, she was like clearly a fairly new doctor because she goes, yeah, I, um, I know how you're feeling. Um, I gave myself my first IV two weeks ago and I was, I literally, at one point I told her, I was like, she kept trying to like touch it and she wanted to like rip the bandage off without like doing anything. Just like no pain meds, no morphine, nor no nothing. And, she's, like, with it. and I literally looked at her and I said, if you touch me one more time, I'm going to kick you in the goddamn teeth. <laughs> Like, dog, this ain't fucking the Battle of Antietam, homie. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is bullshit, man. But after that, it was all right. I mean, it sucked. But I was sparring for, like, I was in the gym a couple weeks later, and I was uh, sparring with one glove on. Um, Just, like, I I was still trying to train as I could, just without a right Dog, man, I just... I respect it so much, bro. Like, and I mean, I, I know this isn't lost on you, and I know you don't consider yourself an average Joe because you can't and be a fighter, and like you obviously consider yourself, you know, at least physically a notch up or two from the fucking average fat fucking Walmart. But what I'm getting at is, like, man, that's just such like a mental decision. Like, you fucking made up your mind and was like, this shit ain't fucking stopping me, dog. Like, I just, oh, I respect that to the fucking utmost degree, man, because so many people, dog, like, so many people fucking hit an obstacle, a fucking little hindrance, a little something that doesn't go smooth, and and that's just it. Like, that's over with. And, and, and yeah. man, if anybody goddamn had a reason to quit, man, it's you. And, like, I just, like, like damn, like, I don't want to get emotional. I'm getting emotional. But just, like, for real, like, like, your ability to just say, fuck that, like, fucking goddamn it, this isn't de- derailing my plans. Like, I, I feel like every single fucking person in America can fucking learn from that, man. Like, 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 if anybody had a reason to quit doing what they was doing, it's a fighter who loses a goddamn finger. And I yeah. just, I don't know, but I know you're not the type of guy to fucking pat yourself on the back, man. But goddamn it, nine out of ten Americans would have fucking turtled up, bro. Man, it, it's, um, at, at the end of the day, like, which this sounds weird in this situation, but people take shit too seriously, man. And, and, and that's really, uh, like I, I've, I've been through the real shit. Um, yeah, like, yeah. like man, um, so uh, this is going to get fucking a little deep here. But when I, when I found my dad, man, um, I was training it, uh, in Muskogee and, uh, one of my training partners had a Bellator fight coming up. Um, she actually, she fought Valerie Lareda. Um, 
And uh, so we were all in the gym hardcore trying to get her ready for this fight, um, you know, doing whatever. I mean, I was – this was my first year of fighting still, so I was I was basically a, a, a dummy for her. But, uh, yeah. you know, I was getting my ass whooped every day just to try to help her out however I could. And um, uh, I, my, my dad was living about an hour away from there. Um, and my dad got diagnosed with a disease called diabetic amyotrophy. So he ended up losing um, the use of his legs. Uh, oh, man, he, he looked like the, the pictures you see of like people in concentration camps. He looked like that, man. He was like, when, when he used to take care of my, my family's ranch by himself, he was like six, three, six, four, like two twenty. like dude had a six pack at 58 years old. Like I mean, dude's calves were twice. I mean, dude is a stud, man. Genetics, a, genetic yeah. stud. Yeah, he was a hoss. And uh, he, uh, when he got sick, he got down to 6'3", 135 pounds. Holy and, fuck, man. Yeah. And uh, so uh, he lost use of his legs. And so we ended up buying him this four-wheeler so he could at least get around the ranch and um, you know, hop himself Oh, no, and that's what he died on? So he, um, yeah, in two weeks, bro. Um, and uh, so I, I went, oh. we were training, and um, he, uh, I texted him, and I was like, my mom was, uh, it was in Norman for a, for a wedding, um, and I was still working on the railroad at the time, and so I was like, hey, I was working the night shift, and so I was like, uh, hey, I'm going to do this little training session, and I'm going to come. Uh, you know, eat some lunch with you, whatever, uh, and chill with you till I got to go to work. And he was like, all right, cool. Um, so I, uh, I, we finished our training session and they were like, Hey, we're going to go to rib crib. You want to come? And I was like, Oh yeah, fuck it, man. Like good old rib crib. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go eat a little food, go, uh, <laughs> you know, go do whatever. And then uh, I'll just, I'll bring him some food there instead of cooking for him. So I'm at, drink a couple beers at rib crib. I'm chilling. Um, and, uh, I drive home, man. And as I'm driving up, I see his four wheeler on the, on its side. And if you knew my dad, my dad was like the most cautious human being alive, bro. Like, like, like would not hated that. I rode a motorcycle, bro. Like hated this shit. And so I thought it was our neighbor. Cause our neighbor was this dude. He's fucking wild. And so I thought he had got it on wrecked it and I like I was pulling up my lap and I'm going and I see somebody under the four-wheeler and I was like oh shit that's not good I still never thought it was my dad the whole time and I get up I get up there did the four-wheeler itself kill your dad man we're not we're not a hundred percent sure what really happened um we don't know how he ended up where he was uh we just don't know uh, his official cause of death was a broken neck. Uh, so, like, so he was dead on arrival. Like, when you pulled up, it was a rat. So, uh, that's what I don't really remember. I pulled up, and my first instinct was to try to get the four-wheeler off of him. But we have, yeah. like, a gravel road, and on the side of the gravel, other side of the gravel road awesome, is our neighbor's barbed wire fence. And so the four-wheeler was stuck in the barbed wire. And so I couldn't push the four-wheeler because I couldn't get, I couldn't break the fence. So I couldn't push the four-wheeler off of him that way. And I couldn't get to the four-wheeler because of the barbed wire to push it off the other way. And so I had a little freak out, man. And I came back and then I like looked at him for sure and knew he was dead. Um, ah. So 
Oh, and man. Thank you for sharing I... this, man. Like, like for real, like, like, God damn it, man. I, I can't imagine how hard that is, man. But thank you, bro. Yeah, man. And so, like, I dealt with that. And, and then the I'm, I'm very open about my mental health and, and not because I think I'm, you know, badass or whatever. Um, or, you know, because I... I don't know. Not, not, not. For no, because you know, you know that shit can affect anybody, no matter how badass yeah. you are, bro. That's yeah. the real reason. Like and, that shit being so, badass ain't got nothing to do with it, man. There's a lot of badass motherfuckers that fucking shot themselves, man. Yeah, man, and um, you know, I've, I've had multiple friends in the Marine Corps commit suicide. You know, I've got their names tattooed on my chest. Um, I uh, and so that night that I ended up going to the hospital before that fight, man, I was walking around, I was staying with my mom and I, I, I was walking around our entire horse ranch for like five hours with a gun in my hand, just like waiting for the courage to like, to suck, start that thing, man. And, uh, and I called my sister for some reason and, and she was like, uh, what are you doing? And I was like, I just, I didn't tell her what was going on, but I went in and I woke my mom up and I was like, mom, I think you need to take me to the hospital. And uh, she was like, God damn, man. For what? And I was like, I, I was like, I'm not trying to scare you, mom, but I think I'm about to kill myself. And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to kill myself if I don't go to the hospital. So I checked myself into the hospital two weeks out from a fight, spent a, uh, uh, spent a week in a psychiatric hospital, um, and, man, and it saved my life. And so I've been through that real shit, you know, I've been in situation, yeah, I've been in, in other bad situations, you know, I've been in a life threatening situation, this fighting shit, everything else, it's a fucking game, man. That's all it is. This finger, it's a game. It, it ain't shit. Um, there's, there's people that no matter chopping off a finger, there's people got it a lot worse than I do. Uh, you know, seeing my dad dead, there's a lot of those people that got it worse than I do, bro. And, and so all this shit just, it, it's just for fun, you know, and, and that's wow. how I try. I try to keep it, I try to yeah, keep it light, man. keep it fun and not, not stress yeah. about little shit, man. It's just a finger, you know, it, that man, hell yeah, man. And, let, and let's just go out to anybody that's fucking listening. Anybody that's fucking watching that thinks you're fucking too cool for therapy, too badass for therapy. <laughs> or what ain't going to happen to you. Like dog, like fucking man, taking mental health seriously, man. Cause yeah. like, 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 man, here's a badass motherfucker sitting here telling you that, like, everybody needs some help, man. Like, everybody, like, like all of us, man. Like, we ain't nobody fucking too cool, too tough to go get a little bit of help, man. Like, like, but I'm getting emotional right now, bro, because, like, I, I can't imagine how many people have, have, you know, gone through what you've gone through. And, and you know what it is the bad way, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like, uh, and, and just man, shout out to all the fucking veterans, anybody. But you don't gotta be a veteran to have trauma, though. Like that's what I want to yeah. get across. Like, like there's a bunch of everyday motherfuckers out there, just people that think they fine, but they not fine. Like, especially here, I'll even speak up, bro. Especially in the black community, like everybody's too fucking tough. Too fucking cool, too fucking badass to admit they got some problems and seen some shit that they yeah. probably shouldn't have seen, man. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, yeah. and, and, and it's fucked up because because we live in a fucking country where therapy ain't covered for free. 
Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and so a lot of people can't afford therapy, and everybody wants to say go to therapy, but nigga, that shit costs two hundred dollars an hour and shit. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and man, dog, I just, god damn it, I can't thank you enough for just sharing your story, sharing you how you overcame it, and and and, and, and man. I'm sure somebody listening, somebody watching was feeling like a bitch, feeling like a pussy for thinking the thoughts that they was thinking. But listen here, y'all. Here's a real MMA fighter, a real motherfucker, a real badass, a real Marine that's sitting here telling you that he struggled with mental health. And so ain't nobody fucking above that shit. Ain't nobody exempt. Ain't nobody... Ain't nobody too cool for that shit. Ain't nobody too tough for that shit, man. Like, yeah, like, like get that shit out of your head if you're watching, if you're listening. Like, if I can save one person's life right now, it, it, it's yes. worth kind of getting off the rails a little bit. Like, man, ain't nobody too tough. Ain't nobody too cool. Ain't no such thing as cowboy up or rub some dirt on it. Fuck that. Fuck yeah. that. That's yeah. what the fucking our ancestors got wrong for the past 60, 80 years was that cowboy up mentality. How, how about let's talk about it mentality? How about let's get some help mentality? How about we ain't fucking strong enough to carry the world on our shoulders mentality, dog? Like, like I ain't even experienced anything as real as you. And, and, and I get that, man. I for real am like, Ain't no shame in it, man. Ain't no shame in it. Anybody watching, anybody listening, ain't no shame in, in getting some help and, and talking to somebody and expressing your emotions. And, and, and dog, ain't shit weak, ain't shit non-manly about that shit. Ain't, ain't nothing more manly than fucking looking yourself in the mirror and fucking, you know what I'm saying, realizing, you know, you may need some help here. Or there. Yeah, bro. Like, uh, real quick, I know we got way, way off here, but, man, you know, some things that help me just real quick is, like, man, it, a lot of those feelings, you feel like you're isolated, man. Like, I feel like, I felt like nobody could, I could relate to anybody. You know, I had anxiety start building up, and I started thinking, like, man, I did this when I was 17. I did this when I was 20. I did this shit. I did that shit, man. That shit's going to catch up with me nonsensical shit you know like shit that yeah. i didn't even do anything wrong it just like something bad was gonna happen from something like i i kept thinking my first like my divorce like oh she's gonna do this she's gonna do this you know it's just stupid shit like i hadn't talked to her in two years you know what i mean and uh just but there's 300 million people in this world diagnosed with anxiety that's not has it that's not thinks they have it that is medically diagnosed three yeah bro and i'll be completely honest man i've been terrified of diagnosis my whole life like like i definitely have issues bro i definitely have you know what i'm saying i definitely have adhd i definitely have depression i definitely have anxiety now I, i'll be real i self-medicate with cannabis to help resolve a lot of those issues yeah and, yeah, and 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 I'm a shining example of how cannabis can help you function. Yeah, yeah. And, but but bro, like like dog, I mean, I'm one of them people you're describing, man. 
I didn't want to go see no psychiatrist. Now, part of that is I grew up broke and I grew up in the struggle and we have insurance right. and all that. But, but man, think about, bro, like, for every person like me, there's a million people like me, bro. Like, like there's so many people whose insurance won't cover it or yeah, yeah. especially I'll speak for the black community, man. Like I'll speak for the black community. Like there's this stigma, man. Like there's this, you weak, you a crackhead, you were this, you were that, you crazy. Like, like, and I'm not saying it happens only in the black community. It happens in all communities, but, but man, like, like if you're a black male struggling with anxiety, with the, with depression, you know, dog, fucking, you ain't the only one, man. And you ain't fucking crazy. And, and, and you know what I'm saying? There's yeah. a lot of other real motherfuckers out here who, who's gone through that shit, man. But uh, That's you know, I'm going to kind of pivot a little bit. I know we've kind of hammered home the mental health subject. and I, That's a subject that's near to both of our hearts, man. And thank you for going there with me because I definitely went there with you. And, like, uh. But I'm going to kind of pivot to it, like kind of an MMA question, kind of get this thing back and just having fun. You got Khabib or Gagey, man. Who, who's going to win that fight, dog? Man, uh, Khabib is a uh, is a bad motherfucker, man. Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, I don't like him. I don't like his – I mean, as a person, he's fine. I don't dislike him as a person. As a fighter – it's just not my style. I'm yeah. obviously more, I like more striking. Like, Muay Thai, yeah, striking base. I want to see people, I mean, I'm not even going to lie to you. When I watch fights as just like a, just an outside observer, I just want to see some motherfuckers get knocked out. Like, that's that's the shit I like. I want to see bangers, bro. I don't give a fuck about you <laughs> going around on the ground and putting somebody in a fucking, you know, <laughs> some crazy submission. I don't care. Really? Okay. I want to okay. see, see you drop a motherfucker. Like, this is interesting. This is interesting, bro, because I, like, I spend a lot of time on Beefy Boy Breakdown, like, you know, trying to get people to appreciate, you know, the jiu-jitsu and, and, and the rolling and the grappling. But this is interesting I mean, to hear coming from a fighter. Don't get me wrong. I, I can appreciate it, but. You know, I can see that shit in the gym. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, my favorite I fights feel from, it. And that's, that's one of the reasons I like Muay Thai so much, man, is there's so many, if you can go on YouTube and, and, uh, and my, probably my, like, if I had to, I said Dave LaDuke earlier, if I had to pick one, like, all-time favorite, not, he's not super active anymore, but all-time favorite fighter in any discipline is this guy named Kevin Ross. And uh, he's, he didn't start fighting until he was 23, came from the streets, um, like in Vegas. I mean, bad motherfucker, man. And uh, he's got this fight where he fought in Japan. Or uh, uh, he, he fought a dude from Japan. And uh, him and this dude just sat in the ring and just bloodied each other to hell. And there's a picture where he sweeps this guy and he's standing just like arms wide open, just covered in blood. And it's just them just like feeding each other elbows. And I like, God, I love that shit. It makes my heart so. I want that fight. I tell everybody I want that fight so bad, so bad, where I just stand there in front of another dude and we just bleed all over each other. Like, I don't give a fuck, win or lose. I just want to, like, I just want to be able to, like, have that, like. No, I feel that, bro. That's you. But how you feel about Khabib and Gagey, bro? Oh, shit. All right. My bad. My bad. I get off. I get off. No, no, no. I feel Uh, it. I I respect it. But 
How you feel about Khabib and Gagey, bro? I hope Gagey knocks him the fuck out, is what I was getting to. Okay, okay. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fucking fun. Yeah. Because, yeah, right, it's, it's the classic striker versus grappler matchup. Um, You know, it's a big matchup. It's Khabib kind of has this air of invincibility about him. He's fucking, what, 29-0, 30-0. He beat Connor. Like, I just I, – I, I, I mean, I love the matchup. I, I sincerely feel if anybody is going to goddamn put – Khabib to sleep. It's gonna be Gagey. It, yeah. It's just whether or not he can do it. Like, like it's it's the classic grappling versus striking matchup. And it's it's the same thing every fight with with Khabib too. As far as like his opponents are like, all I gotta do is just get up. And like, yeah, that's. I mean, I guess that's in theory all Easier you gotta said do. Than done, right? Yeah, that's like that's like you go to war, and in theory, all I gotta do to stay alive is not get shot. But like. Doesn't always yeah. happen that way. He's just been done exactly, bro. Yeah. Like, like, oh, like, like it, I don't know, bro. Like the fan in me would love to see Gage you win, but the better in me would never bet against Khabib. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, retire undefeated. I'm not gonna lie. Now I would like to see him. Yeah, exactly. It would be fucking great. Yeah, I, I would love to see Connor to be the one that beats him, but uh, Connor's my guy. But uh, I don't think that's gonna happen. But um, yeah, because because this is his thirtieth fight, right? So if Khabib wins this one, most people think he's gonna retire undefeated thirty and zero. I mean, I, what's crazy is like everyone and Dana White will talk about this too. But what's crazy about Khabib is people want to talk about like how much money Connor has. And he's got a lot. I mean, he's got a lot of money. Obviously, he's got more than Khabib. But like, but a lot of that is from the whiskey, not the fighting. And he spins that motherfucker too. When you ever seen Khabib running around in, like, you know, in, in like a Lambo and then a Ferrari and a G wagon? Yeah. You see Khabib running around like a Toyota Civic, you know, or Honda Civic, and yeah, like, yeah. I mean, that dude's got so much money. He doesn't even end, lives in Dagestan. Like, I'm. A, I've never been there, obviously, but I'm assuming that's probably not a economically solid yeah. place. And I'm, assume, I'm assuming nobody's charging Khabib rent either. Yeah. Uh, I think like he he has that local legend vibe for sure. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm going to end it on this question, bro. Uh, does Shumayev the real deal? What's your opinion on Shumayev? I'm all, uh, for the record, I'm all the way liquidated all accents. Like, I'm all in on, on fucking Shumayev, bro, but as a fighter, I want to hear your opinion on Shimaev because I've been fucking jerking him off on Beat Me Boys for the past couple of months. Man, here's my thing with him. He's, like, people want to get stuck on his knockouts and, like, how much he's dominated people, which is awesome. And then the haters of him want to say, like, he hasn't fought anybody. Yes. Here's my thing. I don't give a fuck who you're fighting. Like, I fight people that are just starting out every day. The dude's been hit three times. Yes. Three times in, like, three or four Insane. fights. Bro, four. I'll go fight some bum off the street. In two different weight classes. Yes. I'll go fight some bum off the street, and I'm going to get hit three times. Like, no, it, that's just. Bro, I'm all in on Shemaya, bro. Yes. Like, I, I'm, I'm fucking liquidate all assets. Like, 
Like Shimaev's the guy, yes. dog. Like, I know I, I do think long term it's important where he finds himself, whether it's welterweight or middle middleweight. Like I think yeah. eventually you can't be terminated forever. Like you can't just keep dominating both divisions. Like yeah. you you gonna have to find a division and settle in. Now once you win the belt in that division, you can go for the belt in the other division. Yeah. But I don't think we've seen anybody try to kind of come for both divisions on the way up. We've seen people reach the pinnacle and then go for the other division. But I don't know if we've ever seen somebody kind of go for both on the way up. Man, I think I think I don't know how that, that cut to seventy is for him. I mean it seems like it's not that bad. It seems like it ain't shit. But uh, man, if he could stay at that 170, I, I think he could give Usman some big, big problems. Me too. Me too. Big like, problems. It's crazy because, like, in, you know, these forums, these these groups, you'll get called a casual for saying shit like that, but it's like, it's like, dog, shit might have something different. Like, yes. you can't just, you can't lump all hype trains together, right? Like, like every hype train is, is independent and and I don't know, I just, man, I'm all in on shit my have dog. Man, I, and I, you've probably seen my post. I absolutely cannot stand Usman. I think Usman is the biggest bum champion we've ever seen in the entire world. And Ooh, so, come on, some spicy take. Yes, I think you line it up tomorrow and Usman gets fucking walloped. By who? By Covington or by Shimaev? By Shimaev. I like having on somebody I, that's on board the Shimaev bandwagon with me. He's the real deal, bro. I think I like he's the real fucking deal. He, he, he really is. is. I think you run it back with Colby and he gets fucked up too, though. So, oh, Shimaev. Are you talking about Usman? Shim, are you talking about Usman Colby? Usman, Usman, Usman Colby. I think Colby fucks his ass up, but. Yeah, so, so, man, Kobe is one of those fighters that, I'll be real, man, like, like, I mean, this is what I love about the sport, is because, like, you can have your opinions, you can have your ideals, but at the end of the day, two motherfuckers is locked in the cage, and it's like, it's like, dog, I can hate Covington all I want to. For political reasons, for racial reasons. Yeah. But there ain't a goddamn thing I can say about that motherfucker in the cage in the octagon. He's a bad but dude, man. Most people can't separate those two, and I can't. I can exactly. separate. I can separate my evaluation from my opinion. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, like, for sure. Uh, God damn it, bro! Like, like fuck Kobe, but. At the same time, goddamn, is that motherfucker good at what he's good at? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not saying I would. I mean, I probably would because he's crazy as fuck. I, that I'd probably go have a beer with him, but I'm not saying I get along with everything he says or, or nothing like that. I'm like sometimes I'm like, oh god, oh. like I used to yeah. be all the way on the Colby train. I like I even I even dug the the Trump shit just because I thought it was funny, and then like. I mean, recently, some of the stuff he said, I'm just like, oh. oh yeah, no, God. I feel you. He keeps <laughs> doubling down. And, but but as a fighter, bro, you can't fucking knock <laughs> no, him. You, you can't. can't knock him. Or if you do, you look like a fucking idiot. Yes, yes. That's exactly, exactly. 
like like anybody that wants to get their uh, political opinions tied into their MMA evaluations, you'll get fucked real quick. Yeah, well, that's like that's like a Triple C Henry Cejudo dude's a clown. That's the biggest dork in the whole world. But he's so like, effective. He's man, so goddamn he effective. <laughs> he can't say shit. The dude got a gold medal and two belts in the UFC. What? I'm not gonna tell him. Dude. I'm gonna say, bro, you're funny as hell to his face. That's why I, I'm not taking that ass whooping. Hell no. Yeah, <laughs> I thought the biggest. I don't know. The the biggest thing about Kobe is like, it's like well known that it's a facade, right? Like when he went on like uh, Food Truck Diaries, like Brendan was like, "Yo, like, are we gonna do this? Or like, like, what's going on here?" And he was like, "No, like, we're doing the shtick. Like, like Brendan put him on blast." Yeah, because like Brent, like, and, and it's so like decidedly like an image. Oh, uh, it's hard for me. It's hard for me. But what I'll never do is allow my political opinions to dictate my evaluations of a fighter. Yes, it's like LeBron you James. You All can't do it. People, All these old white people not liking LeBron. I hate the shit out of that because he's the best basketball player to ever. Ever played. Oh, my different God. That's a different podcast. Spicy, but. My guy, Jay, had to come with a spicy take. No, that's cool, bro. We can finish out. This, that's the last of my written questions, so we can kind of go down this rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, bro, I'll be real, man. I, I'm Team MJ just because of this, the, the, just the different areas. Like, 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 bro, it was, like, back then, bro, like, back when Mike was winning rings, it was about, like, who you got. Like, nowadays, it's about, like, you know, how deep is your 12-deep roster? Like, like, I don't know. Like, 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 bro, I know you team LeBron. And mind you, bro, I'm not, I'm not Skip Bayless here. I love what LeBron's <laughs> done to the community. I love yeah, yeah. what he's done on the hardwood. Like, I love LeBron. I just, I love LeBron as, like, the third best player of all time, not the best player of all time. Oh, God. Like, I, I don't know, bro. Let's get into it, Doc. I'll go there with you. I'll go there with you, bro. You on my podcast? All right. First of all, I'll go there with you. If you put Kobe ahead of LeBron, Kobe is not ahead of LeBron. That's all. <laughs> you know, I, I I agree. I actually agree with that. Believe it or not, I agree with that because Kobe he won one more ring, but he was so one dimensional. Like uh, LeBron, legit as a passer, as a rebounder. Like I I do believe that matters for something. Yes. So I I actually put LeBron over Kobe, but under MJ. Like yes. like that sweet spot. Like. And I put him I, I, I put him second all time. I really do. Like I put him over Kareem. I put him over Magic. I put him over Kobe. But bro, like like and I know it's the most cliche argument of all time, but you have a hard time like debating me off the six and zero finals mark. And you do, and you do. But see my thing about it is and everyone's like, LeBron is soft, he's blah blah blah. Well, the NBA no, is softer. I don't believe that. The NBA is softer because of rule changes. But what people don't realize is LeBron is six foot nine, two 270 pounds. Like, yeah. if he played in that era, and that's how he grew up playing in that physical era, 
he could adapt to that era fine. He's yeah, physically I agree. built to adapt. I agree. That. I don't I think agree. I don't know if he would have gone this long though. True. No, I'm not I'm not debating on how effective he would have been, but I don't think he'd be in year seventeen if if Lambeer and them boys was going after them ribs. So so do you think that if LeBron was on the bull the, all those bull those six Bulls teams that they would be less of a team than with Jordan and vice versa. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do, bro. I really do. I really yeah. do. Oh I really do. And like, I know, I know that's hard to imagine, but like them Bulls teams were set up for MJ to be the score. Like, True. Like, ain't nobody, ain't nobody gonna give a fuck if if LeBron averaged twenty two, eight and nine. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 yeah. But I don't know, bro. I love LeBron. I'm not about the LeBron hate. I love what he's done off the court. Yes. I, yes. I, I, I love him as a man. I love that he wasn't a bust. I love everything about him. I just put him second instead of one, and that's one of the fun things about being a sports fan. Yes, yes, absolutely, definitely, bro. But, I, but I, then, I, I, oh, go ahead. I'm I'm not about the uh, like we were talking about earlier. I'm not about the uh, Michael Jordan would never kneel for the for the anthem before a game. Which, by the way, on another soapbox, uh, because we didn't talk about this, and I was kind of hoping we would. This whole kneeling situation, um, it. You don't like the kneeling shit, you're dumb as fuck. Um, not even if you don't like it. If you hate it, if you're like so adamantly against it, you're dumb as fuck. And here's yeah. why. Because I tell everybody this. Okay. Everyone wants to use the, uh, oh, our men and women are over there fighting for the, uh, for our, the flag and blah, blah, blah. Bull fucking shit. So when we sign, when we say our, I love uh, it. I love when we it. speak our oath to join the military, we don't say, I uh, swear to uphold and defend the flag of the United States of America, right? That's fucking stupid. That doesn't make any sense. It's a piece of cloth. Yeah, it represents some cool shit and a lot of people that have died and been brought back, and I respect that. A lot of my friends have been buried under that flag. I've got flags folded up from my family members in my, in my room. I've got a flag tattooed on my chest. Obviously, I love that motherfucker. I've given a lot for it. Um, I've got friends that gave a lot more than I did. But... Uh, yeah, when we, when when you sign up to go to the military, man, you don't say, uh, "I swear to defend, uphold, and defend the flag of the United States." It's the Constitution of the United States. Constitution. And so, what does that Constitution guarantee? It guarantees us the right to freedom of speech. It guarantees us the right that uh, that we have to peaceful protest. And I don't give a fuck who you are. Kneeling is a peaceful ass protest. Ain't none of them motherfuckers doing nothing wrong. Not a goddamn thing. So if you if you don't like that shit, you're a salty ass old white boomer, and I hate you. <laughs> hey, no, for real. And that's coming from a motherfucking marine. For all you motherfuckers that want to call us the goddamn communist left wing podcast, this is coming from a marine. This is coming from the goddamn mouth itself, man. But bro, I cannot thank you enough for the time you've dedicated to this podcast. Thank you so much. I'm going to wrap this up. Um, and, and, and I'm going to give you one last opportunity to plug anything you want to plug. And if you're in MMA gyms, any fellow fighters, any of that. But I'm done here. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 19 of Dreadful Talk. Jay, take it away.
Hey, I appreciate it, man. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to you, man. Uh, keep hustling, bro. I love seeing the homies succeed, man. I'm all about doing anything I can to help the homies succeed. If we, if one of us eats, we all eat. If one of us yes, succeeds, sir. we all succeed. I'm all about that shit, bro. Um, I want to thank Forza Combat Sports for taking me uh, in a shitty situation here recently. Uh, we will be grinding out and fighting shortly. Um, my boy Jad, he fights next weekend. Uh, Jimmy Flick, make sure you catch him on um, yes, uh, sir. December in. 5th. UFC December 5th. I don't know what number it is, but it's December 5th. And then uh, I got a couple of sponsors. I got LMP Trucking. I got Airbox of Media. Uh, I've got some other people that I don't really remember right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, those are my two big ones. So I appreciate y'all. Um, everybody uh, back home, all the haters, fuck you. And uh, But uh, that's, that's it, man. I just appreciate yes, the sir. And uh, it will yeah. always be reciprocated. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you all the way, Jay. Thank you so much for being a part of Dreadful Talk Podcast, and I look forward to meeting you at the top, brother. Hell yeah, I appreciate that, bro.